Gary Hoffman. Yeah. You feel it, baby? Shannon Farron. I'm not going to brag about how much ass I kicked, but let's just say I kicked every single ass. Gary and Shannon. Beastie Boys because yes. uh, Jacob put us all in flannel today. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Yes. He chose. See, we take turns deciding what we're all going to wear on Fridays. I don't know. It's just how we're coping through the coronavirus. <laughs> and, uh, you know, like shorts Friday or flip flops Friday or uh, navy shirt Friday. And Jacob's decision today was to wear flannel and when it's going to be 98 degrees. And, and. And crazy socks. socks. He went for and two. And funky socks. And funky socks. He yeah. put an and in there, which I thought was a brave move for bold. a rookie. It was bold. Yeah. Um, anyway, welcome to uh, Friday. Day, uh, day Tide Pod. Okay. We're going to clear that up. The president never said Tide Pods. The guy who spoke before him talked about disinfectants and the impact it has on coronavirus. Lysol the- is trying to get the word out. For the love of God, the message reads, do not inject our products. <laughs> if somebody's going to inject disinfectant, it's, it's time to let them I go. Say go. It's time to let I them say, go. Yeah. We just with open hands say, ah, we will be. Well, it's time for you to shuffle off this mortal coil. Oh, good Lord. With a small stench of cleanser. Anyway, we'll talk about that because. That a bunch of people made a giant deal into this, and I it was frustrating. It was funny at first, like the whole when I saw Tide Pod trending yesterday on Twitter, and then realized what it was. It was somewhat humorous. It was humorous, but but then people started believing that the president said, "Eat Tide Pods." <laughs> Those words never came out of his mouth. But he did fumble over the idea of injecting <laughs> disinfectant it, in the, so many words. To the point where he was addressing his comments to Dr. Burks, who's sitting off to the side there in the press room, like, maybe we should look at disinfectants and, you know, the impact that it has in cleansing and the lungs and, the, like you know, he, the sentence like, fragment like stuff like that he does. He's going to have a medical idea that's that they haven't thought of or something. The split screen on that was the most hilarious because she's, you know... He's addressing the comments to her like, you're a doctor. Maybe we should get somebody on this. And she just quickly kind of avoids eye contact and never looks back. You hear Simon and Garfunkel playing? (laughs) (laughs) It was uh, it was quite. Anyway, I'll play for you those comments because it's worth clearing up. The guy who came before him, Bill Bryan, working with the Department of Homeland Security, said some amazingly important things about. Going outside. Yeah, the heat, the humidity, it's all good to kill this thing. On a day when it's, it's going to be 98 degrees in the valley, you, that is fantastic. You just can't congregate. You know, that's why the the beaches and all that remain closed. Because even though being outside helps, it's uh, not okay to be outside with a bunch of your friends. I cried last night. I had a tear when the draft started. Felt so good 
to watch Even- all those highlights watch Goodell, watch Goodell dancing. I mean, that guy is going to get a popularity bump from how he handled the draft last <laughs> night. It was fun to see everyone's living rooms and family rooms and how and everyone I, was dressed and all the GMs and what their setup was from only Cliff s- K- uh, Kingsbury in Arizona, in Arizona with that beautiful spatial all glass leading out into his massive backyard with a fireplace uh Estate, and then like the Giants GM who looked like he was in a, a cell underneath the stairs. It was just, it was a lot of fun. It was such a nice distraction from all of this. You know what's funny though? I think it would, I think that was the better version of it than what we would have seen had this coronavirus not. I mean, remember, they were talking about doing it at the fountains, at the Bellagio in Vegas, having with players boated yeah. across the fountain water. Right. That would have just been eye-rolling how horrible it was. It, it would was... have been too big of a production. And the NFL is all about people like us, right? Everyday American people and in our homes with our bad drapes and our bad sconces. It's like the bachelor home visits, you know. Watching the game it, in the Shan it's Cave. so much better than the production that that would have been. Well, speaking of productions, um, one of the, the sidelights of what's been going on with coronavirus at the very beginning was cruise ships and the impact this was going to have on the cruising industry. Not just the passengers, of course, the thousands of people who pay the money to go on there, but people who are working on these cruise ships. And Dan Dominich is stranded on one of those cruise ships, the I thought Sky it was Princess. Just, I thought it was just crew members that were stuck and not the case. Well, in this case, it's it's Dan who was performing there on the Sky Princess, uh, the newest princess cruise ship and one of the largest in the world. But, Dan, you've been there for... For 40 days, 41 days now? Uh, hey, guys. Yeah, yeah. We've been anchored between Florida and the Bahamas now for about 40 days. Uh, we first got on February 29th and completed about one and a half cruises before they got all of the crew, um, all of the passengers off. And uh, and we've been waiting it out ever since. So it is just crew members now? It is, yeah. We got about 1,600 crew members here on board from 60 different nationalities. So what have you all been doing? What are what is the uh, what are the rules there? Um, well, when we started out, we were trying to figure out if we were going to go back into operations right away. Um, the health and well-being of everybody was paramount, and the company has been doing an amazing job. These are my views, and not necessarily reflective of them, but I'm sure they wouldn't complain because I'm praising them to high heaven. They've been taking such amazing care of us. Um, it's it's. It's been social distancing. It's been isolation. It's been temperature checks, face masks, and everyone is complying because I think we've been having such a great time out here uh, when we started the cruise that everyone was eager to get back to um, what we knew as a normal life. We all really enjoy working here. Um, so we were ready to play ball and, and figure out what to do next. You're also lucky that you're off the coast of Florida and not like uh, somewhere off of the coast of Anchorage or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The view's not bad. A lot of water. <laughs> Speaking of the view, are there other ships out there also? Uh, yeah, we have about uh, six or seven other ships out here anchored. It's It looks like a like a parking lot, but in the sea. So how do you pass the time? I mean, 40 days. A lot of movies. <laughs> a lot of movies, uh, staying in touch with your friends back home. We we do have each other. We You know, we go to have meals and stuff. Um you know, we maintain the social distancing, but we can, you know, talk to each other from over six feet away. 
and uh, we have a bunch of group threads going on with friends back home and with each other here on board. It's uh, we've been really taking care of each other and lifting each other up here uh, because the CDC is not letting us back into into the states yet. The Americans aren't allowed to go home, but everyone else is is going home. Um, to that end, when was the last time you guys did have? I, I may have missed this. When was the last time you had passengers on the ship? Uh, it's been a little over. It's been about forty or fifty days now. Wow! So clearly, we, we got them off when we came here. Yeah. Clearly, you guys are are way outside the um, the the time when somebody, if they had gotten it, would have shown symptoms, et cetera. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so what have you been told? <laughs> what have you been told in terms of uh, when you can go home, or have you been told? Um, we've been actually yesterday we um, started um, taking action and, and reaching out to as much media and, and government officials as we could to find out why the CDC won't let Princess Cruise Lines get us off the ship because they've been complying with all the rules that have been in place and everything that the CDC has required up until now. And now they just keep presenting new hurdles. Um we actually just found out today that um, our message has reached the White House. It reached the State Department and Health and Human Services. So it's bouncing around there right now. Um, and they're contacting them. Everyone's contacted their, their senators, their governors. I know um, Maggie Hassan from New Hampshire wants to open up a congressional hearing. It's Everyone is activated right now. So everyone's super optimistic about this getting resolved really soon. Any uh, any good new romances among the crew or uh, any fights or uh, any drama of any kind? <laughs> no, that's pretty drama-free, actually. I, uh, I I myself definitely don't like any drama or stress, so I tend to walk away from any and all, and all of it. So plausible deniability. Uh, <laughs> no, it's been good. It's been good. We we all just like to make each other laugh out here. It's it's we're, we're we we truly are in this together, as everyone keeps saying. But I mean, especially here. So I think everyone understands the importance of having a good laugh and trying to add as much levity to the situation as you can. How much time do you get to spend with the other crew members? Uh, we get uh, half hour meals three times a day. Uh, we have to sit by separate departments um, just to like to maintain safety. Sure. Um, yeah. And then you see some people when you're walking back to your cabins. It's. It's not not bad at all, actually. <laughs> we're in um, we're in the passenger rooms right now, so they're really comfortable, and we get fresh air and there's balconies. It's it's if there's a place to be stuck right now, this would be it. Yeah. Quite they're the difference, really too. The the crew uh, the crew quarters are quite different. So, <laughs> I mean, when all this is over, that's going to be a bummer. Yeah, we'll see. You know, when I got here, um, everyone was even in good spirits here. It's Princess really has um everyone really enjoys working here they do really take care of their crew and, and it shows because when you get in everyone welcomes you with open arms and you're you're immediately part of the tribe do you know that uh, princess cruises headquarters is with, within our listening uh, distance here because you <laughs> you you're really lathering it on there dan <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know it's true it's true um i was talking to who was i talking to yesterday um Oh, it was someone at, at a, I don't know if I could say which news network. It was a news network. And they were saying, you know, you seem to have a really good head about this thing. Are any, are, are any of your uh, cast members a little more upset that might want to be on camera? And I'm like, excuse me? No, we're trying to, like, avoid all of that. 
Okay, uh, Dan, just, like a, we're in, we're, we're, yeah. just a quick professional question. What is it that you're performing or were performing on, on the boat? Oh, we had a couple of shows that we were doing. One was called Rock Opera, which is a mix of rock and opera music, and the production value was through the roof. Another one, um, Jim Henson's Inspired Silliness, which was all these old um, – Jim Henson skits from way, way back in like the 60s that they were doing on the Ed Sullivan show, but now they're redone for the stage. Um, and then there was a third one called Five Skies, which we never actually got to perform because everyone had left by the time uh, we had started installing it. And that's uh, kind of a virtual reality journey of self-discovery. Wow. How there apropos. Was a one we were supposed to build. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. There was a fourth one we were supposed to build on the show from scratch on the, on the ship from scratch, but um, we never got an opportunity to do that because everyone had to leave. Are you entertaining the other crew members with your voice? Oh, that would be nice. That would be nice, but we can't have any social gatherings. We, that was the plan because we were trying to figure out how can we keep everybody entertained through this whole thing? Um, so people don't get bored and, you know, start, you know, you know, getting their hopes down. Um, but we quickly uh, decided that it was time to do social distancing and not have big gatherings like that. You could sing something possible. for us. I'm just yeah. throwing it out yeah, there. Yeah, we're just, we're a captive, oh. captive audience speaking <laughs> of. <laughs> right. Into my cell phone. We actually do have, we did do one performance of rock opera and it is on tape and they actually were able to, put it up on the televisions in all of the rooms so you can select it as like a movie selection to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Cause there's a bunch of crew members that hadn't had an opportunity to see it since we only did it once. And so they, uh, they finally got to see it and it's been really great. Well, Dan, uh, sounds like it's a best case scenario for you, even though you're stuck on a, on a boat for a while, but doesn't sound too bad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it'd be nice if the government would let their people back into the country. That's, that's what we're. That's what I'm gonna really get out of this whole thing, and and talking to as many people as I can, because it it was a little disappointing, a little disappointing, to see everyone else able to get back into their countries, and yet our CDC, our government said no. And we were in Florida yesterday. We were getting supplies in Port Everglades and looking at American soil and couldn't get off the ship. Do you know the bishop from Les Mis? I I hate to say I don't know Les Mis very well. Nobody does, um, Dan. Okay. Gary's the only person who knows Lime is. <laughs> oh, well. Educate me. Tell his reverence your story. Let us see if he's impressed. Oh, boy. You were lodging here last night. You were the honest bishop's guest. And nobody? You know, I know people in New York if you want another career. Yeah, no, he dabbles. He, I've been trying to get him into adult theater for years. When he learned about your plight, you maintain he made a present of the silver. Stop trying to show off in front of a professional. When uh, when is your show at the Pantages? Uh, (laughs) uh, They barely let me in the Pantages. I can't afford that place. But but Dan Dominich, you can follow Dan on Twitter, Dan underscore Dominich. Uh, we'll throw a link up. Uh, I love that you just your location on your Twitter profile is currently in the Bahamas. <laughs> that's it. Hey, but you're being followed by Andrew yeah, Yang, so that's that. nice. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I appreciate the conversation, guys, and, and helping to get our message out there. And, and you definitely put a smile on my face. Well, if you have internet access, you of course can listen to the show on the iHeartRadio app. What they tell us? You're whoring is just... ridiculous today. Okay, Dan, thank you. <laughs> 
Thank you. Dan Dominich there on the uh, Sky Princess. Uh, but, hey, by the way, I want to throw this out there because we have friends uh, that are still working and uh, are still out there. This hour is being brought to you by our friends at SolarMax Technology. Now, times like this, when we're thinking about whether or not we're going to have another paycheck, the bills become that more evident. Saving money is going to be crucial. SolarMax Technology has the best offer I've ever seen them give, and it's a $29.99 a month offer. And the first six months are free with zero upfront on approved credit to own your system. They will take every precaution to keep you and your family safe, but this is an unbelievable offer. Yeah, it's listen, it's worth a phone call. Of course, they can take all of your information and talk to you over the phone about solar, about how to go solar, about what it means to go solar about how it is that you make sure you know what your electricity bills are going to be every month. So check them out at solarmaxtech.com. All right, so the president right now speaking at the signing of the uh, the bill for more money for small businesses. But yesterday uh, was at the White House coronavirus press briefing, and this was his line. I'm going to play for you his line that made all of the headlines about injecting disinfectant or whatever. Don't. Just look at what you see on Twitter. Go find the coronavirus task force press briefing and listen to the section because it's not just him. It's not a a random idea that popped into his head, but I'll play out of order. It's a note. It's out of order. But this is what the president said about disinfectant. Right. And then I see the disinfectant where it knocks it out in a minute, one minute. And is there a way we can do something like that? Uh, by injection inside or or almost a cleaning because you see it gets on the lungs and it does a tremendous number of lungs so it'd be interesting to check that so that you're going to have to use medical doctors with but it sounds it sounds interesting to me so we'll see but the whole concept of the light the way it kills it in one minute that's uh, that's pretty powerful. Now, I do believe he was toying with the idea of infect, injecting disinfectant. I really do. I think he was working it out in his head like, oh, disinfectant. They, they say it gets rid of it in a minute. I wonder if we could if inject it. Works it works on a hard surface. So now he says, he, and I don't believe this, <laughs> now he says he was being sarcastic when he suggested injecting disinfectants into the body to combat this. He was speaking to reporters this morning in the Oval Office, and he said he made the comment to reporters just to see what would happen. Oh, again, 3D chess. He's playing on game. He's playing on levels we don't understand. Is that what he's saying? Yeah. Okay. He argued that reporters were asking him sarcastic questions during the briefing <laughs> and that he was being sarcastic when he made that comment. Now, listen to it again and... Just the disinfectant part? Yeah. Okay. Right, and then I see the disinfectant where it knocks it out in a minute, one minute. And is there a way we can do something like that uh, by injection inside or or almost a cleaning? Because you see it gets on the lungs and it... That's not sarcasm. No, well, sarcasm. 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 That's not sarcastic. Well, listen, the reason that was even brought up, the whole disinfectant, the UV light was... That Bill Bryan, uh, who is a the head of the Science and Technology Directorate at the Department of Homeland Security, they have, along with, I don't know, hundreds of labs around the world, have been studying the effects of different things on coronavirus. And what Bill Bryan was saying was solar energy, higher temperature, and higher humidity 
are killing this thing very, very quickly. Here's what here's Bill Bryan. Our most striking observation to date is the powerful effect that solar light appears to have on killing the virus, both surfaces and in the air. We've seen a similar effect with both temperature and humidity as well, where increasing the temperature and humidity or both is generally less favorable to the virus. Do you realize that? That for a month now, five weeks, we've been telling people, stay inside. Well, Don't go outside. No, we've been telling people, stay at home. Okay, I'm, stay at home. That's I mean, I've point. been spending a ridiculous amount of time that I usually wouldn't spend outside because it feels good and, and it feels guess, good for a reason. Guess what you don't have? Right. That we know of. It's the corona. You don't have it. Here's the thing. Uh, here's the other thing. Uh, just to, to add some detail to what he's talking about, that the tests that they've done. And if you look at the, as the temperature increases, as the humidity increases with no sun involved, you can see how drastically the half-life goes down on that virus. So the, the virus is dying at a much more rapid pace just from exposure to higher temperatures and just from exposure to humidity. If you look at the fourth line, uh, you inject summer, the sunlight into that, you inject UV rays into that. The same effects on line two at 70 to 75 degrees with 80% humidity on the surface. And look at line four, but now you inject the sun, the half-life goes from six hours to two minutes. Catch that. We're talking about the sun being the greatest weapon that we have right now in terms of controlling this thing. The problems that we see or where the problems where we see this thing growing and becoming really dangerous are in those congregate living facilities, to use Gavin Newsom's term, like jails, like nursing homes, like even hospitals where Sunlight is not a thing that they like. It's not a the buildings are not designed to allow in sunlight. But if your grandma is at Shady Shady Pines Village or something like that, you want her in the courtyard. Yeah. You don't want her stuck in the bingo room where there's no sunlight. You want them out. I mean, we this is a thing. This is a true real thing. It may have an impact on how we're faring in California as opposed to the East Coast too. Totally. Because we've had a lot more sun than they have. All right. Coming up next, what are we doing? (laughs) (laughs) I look over. We have to do more? I thought today was just a half hour show. (laughs) We're here till two. Sir. Well, I'm done. I I was. I, yeah, you got you got that sunlight point in, and I think you've done the Lord's work, and you can go on home now. Oh, and then, by the way, the president also said that uh, Windex works. My I dad think. believed in only two things: What's that this? Greeks should educate non-Greeks about being Greek, and that any ailment, from psoriasis to poison ivy, could be cured with Windex. Remember mm-hmm. that? My yeah, Greek I love that movie. <laughs> She's really nice. Gary and Shannon. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Well, John and Ken are going to have to say something nice about Gavin Newsom this afternoon. Why? The governor has signed an executive order that we will not be charged for those reusable bags at the markets. We will get those single-use plastic bags without having to pay 10 cents. So John and Ken and the virus have won. Do you think 
Do you think they created it? Just to get I wouldn't bag? be surprised. I mean, they're unrelentless. Relentless. Relentless is the word. That's all right. We can unrelenting Jacob, is the other option. Jacob, mark that. We can edit that out. So that I was doing my crossword puzzle this morning because I'm 84. And relentless was one of. Hold the... on a second, time out. Like with a pencil, you're doing yeah. a crossword puzzle, or a pen? You're like a... an expert. I'm no, 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 no. It's a pencil. Okay, so that means it's that you Sunday... get a hard copy of a paper. Yeah, Sunday, L.A. Times. You do? Mm-hmm. You're the one. Mm-hmm. I didn't know anybody still got that. Yeah, no, it's just us. Factory orders plunged 14.4 percent in March, second largest decline on record, uh, worse than expected underscores the severe economic impact that we've been seeing. And here's the unfortunate part. It's only halfway through the month. So the April numbers are going to be even worse. Uh, we, Southern California, expected our full, uh, full-blown full heat wave for the first time of the first, first one of the year, really. Uh, coastal temperatures are going to be near 90 degrees. We could see highs reached close to 98, especially places like here in the Valley. And the heat uh, advisory, I believe, uh, stays into effect until... Uh, tomorrow night, so it's going to be a nice warm day. The FDA is putting out a warning as well. It's not just Lysol saying, please don't inject our products. The FDA is warning consumers and doctors against prescribing and taking the malaria drugs, chloroquine and hydroxychloroquine, to treat this thing outside a hospital or a formal clinical trial. There have been serious poisoning and deaths reported. Serious heart rhythm problems in patients with the virus who are treated with these? We knew that going into it. I remember when the president was first talking about hydroxychloroquine, that, that there were doctors that would come out and say uh, it it is an anti-malaria drug and we do prescribe it not only before you go into a place where you could get malaria, but it would it would be the treatment as well that when you combine it with the z packs this azithromycin uh, that there's a chance for these heartbeat irregularities that's a that's not new the 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 medicine part i don't understand is why it works for some people and not others i don't understand how people would be able to get their hands on this outside of a hospital is there some sort of black market for uh chloroquine I mean, I guess well, there's a if, black market for everything. Yeah, I mean, if you you go to a pharmacia oh. in TJ probably and get it off, you know, over the counter. Yeah, I don't think a lot of people are making the trek to TJ. How are we but doing you, with Mexico, by the way? It's time we checked in with, with them in terms uh, of this thing. I did see a headline that said that Mexico was entering their phase three of all of this, which was the, the you know, highest death tolls, the highest number of cases that were being reported and that sort of thing. And th- I mean, they're going to be behind us by a couple of weeks because they were behind us by a couple of weeks. Remember, we were talking about when things started to get shut down here. They're still holding music festivals with 15,000 people in Mexico City. Right. So that's one of those places that I feel like it's a um, uh, I, I don't but I don't know. I mean, they're a spread out people in a very large country. So I don't know if this, you know, outside of the major metropolitan areas like Mexico City, is it going to be a giant? They have 120 million people. Half are living in poverty. So does that mean, I don't know, the the locations, the, the 
just the geographic differences between the United States and Mexico, I would imagine, mean that it's going to be uh, it's going to have less of an impact. You want to could have less. You want to complain about this government and how it responded. Oh, man, that that government is so messed up. It is just so bad. And they don't even care. They don't care about any of the people. You know who's been uh, so crooked, responsible for the most uh, into going into the communities and giving out aid, the drug cartels. I, I read that. And the Mexican government was pleading with them. It's going on with the Taliban, too. Right. The Mexican government is pleading with these drug cartels. Listen, we appreciate your efforts, but let's concentrate more on the not murdering people. That's what they are. That's what their takeaway is, as opposed to going into these, you know, because the assumption is by the government that these drug cartels are going in and spreading all of this goodwill with free stuff and free medicines and free masks and stuff like that with uh, El Chapo's picture on them. Remember, El Chapo is just as much loved as he was hated yeah. because they do a lot of good work. I mean, you look at the the mafia and how it took care of neighborhoods. Any sort of drug organization that runs the streets and runs the neighborhoods, there's a bit of uh, there's a bit of we need you that goes on. Unfortunately, <laughs> I, I love you for that, and I need you now. But. Th- they were legitimately sending out boxes, cardboard yeah. boxes that had printed El Chapo's picture on them yeah. with these rescue kits, uh, you know, food supplies and things like that that people might need, hand sanitizer, disinfectant, so that people could inject it. Uh, that's not true. Georgia uh, is easing its lockdown, really the biggest state, and I guess you would say the uh, the most high profile because of the fact that the president said, I'm not sure you guys are doing this right. We'll talk about uh, what Georgia's doing when we come back. going to get round table that's the way to do it okay gary and shannon this friday it's april 24th day tide pod if you can believe that it's already day tide pod seems like just yesterday was chocolate that was i can think that was a couple of days ago this hour by the way is being brought to you by our friends at uh, solar max and one of the things that i mean listen the perfect day to talk about this because it'll be 98 degrees beautiful sunshine out there and even uh, in days like this, we have to remember that saving money is crucial. SolarMax technology allows you to uh, own your own system for twenty nine ninety nine a month. Now, this is an offer I don't think I've ever seen before. And the first six months are free with zero upfront payments. That, that That's going to work out. Because one of the things that's uh, been uh, magnified, I suppose, at a time like this is those monthly bills. And one of the things that you do is when SolarMax comes in, and puts up your solar system, you know what you're going to be paying every month. So the first six months, free with zero upfront, $29.99 a month on approved credit, and you can own your own system. Plus, listen, they're going to take every precaution to keep you and your family safe. And, I mean, 99% of it's done on the outside of your home anyway. So give them a call or check them out. Go to solarmaxtech.com, and you'll find all the information there about how it is that they can uh, get you in the right space when it 
That's another Gavin Newsomism right there. Yeah. To put you in the right, in that space. They're working in that solar space. They'll really meet the moment. SolarMaxTech.com. And the like. Well, uh, Georgia yeah. is reopening hair salons, gyms, bowling alleys, despite the rise in coronavirus deaths statewide. Brian Kemp is the governor there, first-term Republican. And he was really one of the last leaders of a state to issue a stay-at-home order that was effective uh, April 3rd. But there are a number of people that don't like this idea. Uh, There are a number of people that are going to be moving forward with reopening their businesses, but they're going to take precautions. Uh, Shannon Stafford told CNN that customers at her salon in Savannah will have their temperatures checked when they arrive. They'll have to fill out a questionnaire. Stylists will be wearing masks, washing their hands, make sure they're using fresh garments, all of that. Um, There are some other places that we look to for some indication about what these lockdown, the lifting of the lockdowns will look like. You know, we've obviously seen Italy and Spain make some um, decisions when it comes to opening their businesses and reopening schools and things like that. Japan is one of those places that they've looked to and said that things are not going great. Japan initially seemed to have controlled their outbreak. But on Friday, Japanese medical experts issued a warning that the country's emergency medicine resources resources were reaching a breaking point because of some equipment shortages. Now, we've talked many times about, you know, I, I want to say three, four weeks ago, their giant concern was personal protective equipment and ventilators. And what we found is, especially when it comes to a place like New York, we did not use the ventilators that we had we didn't need 40 or 50,000 ventilators and that's because the lockdown efforts the social distancing efforts were successful uh ppes are still few and far between but we've learned to deal with them uh we've learned to deal with the shortages we've learned to have hospitals figure out how things could be reused to try to make sure that the nurses and doctors stay protected when they're on the front lines Front lines, that is. Um, In France, for example, the government's leaving families to decide whether to keep kids at home or to send them back to class when those lockdown orders in France start to be eased on May 11th. In Spain, parents get to decide whether kids get fresh air when the country starts on Sunday to ease the total ban on letting even kids outside, if you can believe that, if you can believe that. But even then, Spain has a rule a one 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 rule, no more than one hour per day within a few minutes walk of their house and with no more than one supervising adult. We're getting to the point where this outside thing is people are way too fearful about the outside that that home is, you know, as safe as it can be with, you know, the people there and whether or not they're infected. The outside thing is not something we need to just, you know, duck our heads and and bury them in the sand. I'm not seeing that at all in my neighborhood. I haven't either. Everybody's out. Everyone's out. They're walking. They're running. They're 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 out more than they ever have been out uh, at all hours. You know, in the morning on my way here, I see them in the afternoons on my way home. In the evening, people out on walks, soaking in that sunshine, which is great. Um, the problem I think I have with the the stories that have been written up about Georgia 
is, you know, listen, it may be too early. I, I don't know. And I don't know if there's a way for us to find that out in the next week or two or even three. Well, but, we're going to find out when we look at what's going on in Georgia in terms of the numbers it, and how they're going to rise or fall. You know, we'll, we'll figure it'll it out. Be, it'll take time. It'll be a microcosm of, of opening early. Yeah. Well, the thing I, I have a problem with is that they're talking about the infections that are still rising in Georgia. It, the the across-the-board use of infect you know positive cases as a determining factor of whether or not it is continuing to spread is not is not a true indication we've been so far behind on our testing that the serology testing that we've done to show how widespread this was in California or in New York City is proof that we don't know we we simply don't know and the fact that we have new and more expanded testing you know 16,000 some odd tests per day in California of course, our rate is going to increase. The model done up by the Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation up at the UW at University of Washington uh, says that Georgia should not even begin to reopen until June 22nd. Yeah, I saw that as well. I, the, I don't know. If you're a business and you are one of those that has been allowed to reopen whatever it is a beauty parlor barbershop whatever it is a gym, let use a gym as an example okay if you're a gym and you've been allowed to reopen the last thing that you want is to be known as the place that spread the corona around right so if you had 40 uh treadmills or something Aren't you going to rope off two out of every three of those things to keep people apart? Yes. And are you going to limit the number of people who go into your gym? And are you going to go out of your way to make sure that the social distancing that is, you know, been imposed upon people continues in your place of business so that people feel safe there? Greg Smith runs a, a gym. And he says he wanted to reopen there in Georgia. He wanted to reopen because his customers are worried about the very things that could make you more susceptible to this thing in terms of heart disease, high blood pressure, all of that. And he says to keep people safe, they're spacing their equipment uh, 10 feet apart and they will be checking temperatures as people arrive. And you've got here's the other thing. You can't just do a one time wipe down at the end of the day. You're going to have crews, staff in there wiping every single machine all day long. That's all they're going to do. Some of the national chains are holding off, though, like L.A. Fitness, Soul Cycle, Equinox, all of those, Pure Yoga, because those are national brands. You're, you know, you're opening yourself up to liability, and you're yeah. also not probably struggling as much as, you know, Greg Smith is. I got my uh, I got an email from my gym that said that they will dispatch the last two months worth of membership fees because i mean they've been closed it's not even like i can it's not the old days where i just ignore going to the gym and end up paying my my monthly fee right i can't go so they've uh you know i know a lot of businesses have done that but that was a nice uh nice email to get did you work out yesterday uh i ran yesterday yes that's good who's that listen i hate hate running in the wind Mm -hmm. but uh the benefit of not having to smell myself when I run is just delightful. Gross. I'm just saying. It could get a little gamey. It was it was 84, 85 degrees when I started my run yesterday. All right. So I got a couple couple strides into that and I'm I'm a sweater. I'm a sweater. Okay, we get it. 
Got it. I am just. Can you never say the words "I am a secretor" again? Thank you. We'll do, talk about some good news when we come back to Gary and Shannon. Four and three and two and one. What up? And when I'm on the mic, the suckers run. Surprised you're on my team. I don't listen to enough Beastie Boys in my everyday life. Miss it. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo says the daily number of new coronavirus hospitalizations remains troubling, but there are signs the overall growth curve is flattening. It looks like, in terms of where things were a week ago, new hospitalizations and ICU visits have decreased. But the governor mentions that over 1,000 people per day are still being diagnosed with this thing. Bad economic news came out today. The Congressional Budget Office is forecasting a $3.7 trillion, with a T, trillion dollar deficit, a 5.6% economic contraction, and an unemployment rate of 12%. Well, we have some good news, right? Look for the helpers. Isn't that what uh, Mr. Rogers says? He did. A lot of businesses have changed up the way that they are operating to pitch in and help in this effort. Uh, Jake Williams is the co-owner of Blue Gold Distributors, happens to be the brother of one of the people who works here. That's kind of how we know him. But Blue Gold Distributors, veteran-owned, operated construction equipment company. And one of the things that they've put together is a new kind of stretcher. It's called a Rex one uh jake is joining us uh, right now hey jake what's going on hey guys thanks a lot for having me on today i appreciate it of course so tell us about the rex one yeah the rex is a it's an amazing stretcher it's it's really revolutionized patient transport patient mobility um we have worked close with the rex team to to start distributing this product what we've seen it help out so much is typically a stretcher, you need three or four people to move one patient. And this, this stretcher allows one person to move one person. In fact, in, in some cases, it's so easy. Like my, my four-year-old daughter can actually move me around on it if I'm, if I'm laying on it. She can move me around all by herself, which would normally take like three or four adults. I bet first responders love this thing these days. They do. They do. You know, initially we had a lot of really good success uh, selling to government entities, um, different law enforcement agencies and first responders have, have used this. Some fire departments have started to adopt it. And it was, it was actually with the help of you guys and, and Steve Gregory that we got in touch with the Los Angeles Fire Department Foundation. And we were able to donate one to them. And it's going to the crisis response team. And that's a, a team of, of guys and gals that are within the LAFD that are just on the streets every day dealing with all different types of trauma. And obviously in, in this pandemic, there's even more more people that they have to deal with and the homeless. And, and so we just we just really wanted to, to help out and, and give one away. And, and that's that's what we did there. Well, and you're going to do another one. I mean, RexGiveaway.com is where you can go check out uh, what this thing looks like, how it how it works. I mean, it's a very it seems like a pretty simple um, design in that it's a stretcher with a couple of big wheels on it, and that allows you to one person or maybe two people to carry around somebody and move them around. And then you're going to give one away to a different organization. How do how do they enter? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thanks. So that's we we noticed. 
I mean, as everyone's seen, like so many people, organizations, different businesses have been stepping up and helping out in so many different ways. And we thought, how, how can we help out? How can we get involved and, and make a positive contribution and what, what's going on around the, uh, the country and the world right now? And Steve Gregory put us in touch with LAFD. So what we want to do now is give away another one. If you go to rexgiveaway.com, and if you or your organization or you know of an organization, healthcare facility, hospital, senior living facility, anybody that could benefit from patient mobility, that's who we want to reach. That's who we want to give it away to. Um, and, yeah, that's it. That's at rexgiveaway.com, and we will, we will be giving away another one. Another nice thing about it, too, is it, it folds up and actually fits into a backpack. So those wheels, oh, wow. you see if you go to our website, the wheels pop off, and it folds up into a backpack. So you can actually get it into areas, pretty, pretty remote areas, um, and then be able to pull out. And then with the all-terrain tires, if you need to go across rugged terrain, you can do that. Or if you're in the halls of a hospital, it rolls just fine through there, too. That's great. Uh, Jake Williams, co-founder of Blue Gold Distributors. And again, they're going to be giving away one of these stretchers uh, to an organization in need. You just go to rexgiveaway.com. Yeah, so if you know of an organization or you're a member of an organization or a hospital or something that, that needs it, rexgiveaway.com. Um, what does Blue Gold Distributors do outside of these stretchers, outside of that? What what's uh, what kind of is your, your niche? Yeah, we are – we were founded about – a year ago is myself and three other guys, three, three of us are Navy veterans. And one is a true Patriot servant and a dad of a, another Navy veteran. And, um, we, we specialize in construction material distribution here in LA County. So we, we were just real fortunate to establish a strong network of customers, suppliers, and, and, um, that's, that's our niche right now, construction material within LA County. And we've been, we've been growing over the last year and, continue to expand. So we're really excited about what's been happening. Awesome. Jake, we appreciate your time today and thanks for your work. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. really appreciate it. You bet. And again, uh, for the, for the Rex giveaway, you can just go to rexgiveaway.com, R-E-X, rexgiveaway.com. And for more information about Blue Gold Distributors, Check out BlueGoldDistributors.com. Well, California nursing homes remain a big problem for this coronavirus. We'll talk about it when we come back. Yeah. I'll just, I'll be over here. No, you don't need to go anywhere. Well, listen, not every day can be as smooth as we were on Wednesday. I think you mean day chocolate. Day chocolate. What is today's day? Today's day Tide Pod. Oh, I don't want to continue <laughs> that hysteria. Okay. It can be d- d- Nick. Look at Shannon, the responsible one. Nick, will you, what are you laughing at? <laughs> Will you name this day? I don't like being the responsible one anymore. It's weird, huh? <laughs> it doesn't feel hey, good. Where are we going on that? Or how are we coming along on that pizza? It'll be here at noon. All right, it's day pizza. Day pizza. Oh, okay. Okay. It's pizza day. No, just day. Pizza. We'll, we'll, we'll wheel in the TV. We'll have a movie and pizza. Play like, heads up, seven yeah, up. Yeah, it's like elementary school in here. The flicking food day. Yeah. Gary and Shannon pizza will day. continue. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. 
God, it's really bad in the nursing homes, truly. Uh, the number of nursing home residents who have succumbed to this thing has surpassed 10,000. They account for about 20% of all the coronavirus fatalities. Proof, to me, we need to make sure that we protect the absolutely most vulnerable. How do you do that? Oh, I'm not a doctor. Hold on a second. I don't know what you... Oh, I thought you were solving problems over there. Well, we could just disinfect them, right? Inject them? No, that'd be crazy. Um, A couple of reminders. Number one, uh, KFI House Whisperer Hangout Mm. is tonight on Facebook Live. Does he whisper on those things? If you ask him to. I watched I know Chris. He An- would. I watched Chris and Carlos Facebook uh, Live or Instagram Live last night, and I, I I got in there and he was talking. And he had this line: "I'm a really great storyteller." <laughs> wow. I was like, "Whoa!" Uh, I mean, he is a great storyteller. That is tonight, Dean Sharp and the House Whisperer <laughs> Hangout on Facebook Live at 4 p.m. Ask about your DIY home improvement projects, whatever. And then at five, and then right after that, at five o'clock, switch on over to a cocktail Instagram Live. You can either go to uh, the Gary and Shannon page at Gary and Shannon or at KFI AM 640. Both we're going to try to figure this out, but I think both uh, both of those will work. They'll both can show up as a live event. And we'll hang out 5 o'clock tonight, Instagram Live, and uh, we will have a cocktail and get ready for the weekend. I have yet to get that information that we need to do that. Oh, I have it. Uh, somebody sent it to me. I thought he sent it to you. Oh, no. Okay. okay. You have it. Great. I've got it. We have the key. The wink, Well, wink, then you can do the it. Key. You can do the thing on no, that. No, you do it. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> Steve Gregory joins us. I'm standing because, Steve, if I had to sit for four hours and eat pizza. I know. I'm going to stand. Too. I would take a nap. So, oh, hashtag wine. Ah, there's wine also? Yeah, with a big H in there. <laughs> Look at you. <laughs> oh, wait, now, I always feel like you're wearing a turtleneck these days. Yeah. Because you have your face covering around your neck, which is totally fashionable, fashion forward. I don't I don't wear it to be fashion forward. I couldn't give a rat's ass. Wow. Yeah, this see, is, that, this that is, makes it even more fashionable. We are a see? day rat's ass. No, I thought we were a day pizza. It's Steve Gregory has been following uh, the local response to all of this uh, coronavirus COVID-19. Uh, got into uh, Catherine Barger's nightmares when I was asking about the potential for uh, county executives uh, and potential layoffs, furloughs, and any information that was coming out of that and was told was an inappropriate question. So you've continued to go down that road to try to find an answer as opposed to being browbeaten for asking the question in the first place. Yeah, you know, and I decided the best way to do this because I've given Supervisor Barger a couple opportunities during the public press conferences to answer the question or at least give me something that I can work with and and neither has been the case. So I decided yesterday to reach out to each of the individual supervisor's offices, their communications deputies, and find out for myself and ask them all the same questions. So what I've done is I've prepared a script of the email Ooh. for Shannon and Gary to read. So Gary will be oh. Steve Gregory. Oh, okay. And Shannon will be the, the communications person. The only one that's gotten back to me thus far uh, from Sheila Kuehl's office. Oh, my God. So, Tony Bell still working no, for? No, no. Uh, he retired. He did? He retired. He's not old enough to 
have to retire. That's what I thought. And you know what? He's one of the good guys. He's great. He was great. He was Antonovich's uh, person. And then he, he went to Catherine Barger. Barger. Yeah. Barger. Barger. Whatever. Barger. And then, uh, and then Tony retired. The question, and then I think Michelle Vega took over for Tony. And uh, Michelle That's and I crazy. have been working on the scenes well. Okay. So, so set the scene so, for us. When so it the scene again? center is this. So I emailed so Gary in that first section there, mm-hmm. and I don't know if you want to do a run through or you want to do this. Up well, to the just bottom. read it cold, but I, I want to make sure we have music to go along with it. So, so that... basically, this is the email. So when you when you start there, mm-hmm. and that's the email I sent everybody. I just changed the names, obviously. Okay. So that's the email I sent, and then Shannon will pick it up uh, right underneath that, and that'll be so you see the the woman's name at the yes. bottom, which you can read because it's all on the record, mm-hmm. and. That's her response, and then my reply, and then her reply, and then I love so it. on. So All right. So forth. All right. So go. here you go. And I'm going to sit back because here's the reason I'm doing this. It's tongue-in-cheek, and it's going to be – I know you guys will have fun with it. Mm-hmm. But there's a reason I'm doing this, and I'll talk about it on the end. Okay. Okay. Hi, Barbara. I'm compiling a list of elected officials' actions slash positions on COVID-19 issues. In light of the financial burden of residents, including layoffs, closures, and pay cuts – does Supervisor Han plan to take a voluntary pay reduction? Actually, that's Kuehl. It's supposed to be Kuehl there. That's okay. <laughs> I was putting this Second together so first, quickly. Same as the first. I was putting this together so quickly, but Han did get one of these two, but that would be Kuehl for the purpose take of this. Take two. Hi, Barbara. Sorry. Uh, does Supervisor Kuehl plan to take a voluntary pay reduction? Does the supervisor's senior staff plan to take a voluntary pay reduction? For the period March 1st to current, how has Supervisor Kuehl spent her discretionary funds? Thank you, Steve Gregory. Steve, I'm working on the discretionary grants. In the meantime, the supervisor says, quoting, As you know, the county has a budget process that rolls out over time to deal with current situations. It is too early to make speculative commitments to any specific budget cuts. Incidentally, the supervisor's salaries are set by the courts, not the supervisors themselves, and tied to judges' salaries. Barbara Osborne, Ph.D. is how she signs it. Hi, Barbara, Ph.D. Thank you for your reply. I wasn't aware there was a statute which precludes someone from voluntarily paking, taking a pay reduction. Would you please direct me to that language? Thank you. Steve Gregory. <laughs> I'd recommend you reach out to the courts for that information. Barbara Osborne, Ph.D. Hi, Barbara. So to be clear, a statute prevents a member of the Board of Supervisors and members of their staffs from taking a voluntary pay reduction. No. To be clear... The supervisor's salaries are set by the courts, not by the supervisors. I didn't ask about a person's salary. That was never the question. I'm just not aware of any statute that forces an employee to accept all of their pay. If you'd rather discuss on the phone, you can call 818-STEVE-GREGORY. I offered you the information because I thought it would provide you with the additional relevant context. Given your interest in supervisor compensation, no need to chat. Okay, I never asked about the rate of compensation. I did ask repeatedly about voluntary pay reduction. But you've told me a judge has ruled that the supervisor and her staff are barred from voluntarily reducing their pay. Thank you, Steve Gregory, Ph.D., that was terse. That was great. Yeah. 
So, he didn't respond, by the way. No, that was it. And it's the it, end. But you noticed two things in there. It was, hi, Steve, hi, Barbara. And, and then, then, uh, then the, the pleasantries went away. Went away. Yeah, went away. And her, all her salutations and yeah, everything. So, yeah. And by the way, for those out there listening, uh, other than, you know, Gary's obvious over-dramatization, dramatization, Dramatization. I'm getting worse than you. Over <laughs> dramatization of, of certain events. These, this was actual verbatim. Like, oh, yeah, I read. I didn't. I didn't add any words to that. Steve Gregory, PhD. You should be a PhD. Okay. Well, I don't have that title in this particular situation. Well, I will tell you though that the reason I did this is because I, I was trying to be as clear as possible in my request. So, what is your view of how this went down? I mean, what what do you think she's telling me? Stop asking the question. That's yeah. what she's telling you. If there was some sort of a legal precedent, so I reached out to one of our legal consultants yesterday to find out about this. He did tell me that in some rare circumstances, there are some municipalities that actually have salaries and the way they're paid tied to legal precedent. Mm -hmm. But he's not aware of it in this case. Now, the salaries, if you keep saying she kept throwing salaries and compensation at me, that's not what I, I never asked how much they make. I already know how much they make. Right. Those are easy things to find out. Here's the thing. If they end up donating part of their salary, which is what it becomes, they, you know, if they take a pay reduction, they still have to claim on taxes the original salary. So if they're making $400,000 a year and they decide to give up 10% or whatever right. the case is, 40000 they still have to claim the full 400000 But they can turn around and they can claim it as a, as a donation. They can donate it, yeah. So, so well, you know what I'm hearing, what I'm hearing from this, is that the minute that Catherine Barger – Called Steve Gregory irresponsible. Mm -hmm. He set out to never let this go, never let this angle go, and he's going to make their lives hell until they respond. Well, in in all fairness, and say yes, we will take a pay cut. In all fairness, I when I listen back to the tape, this is why you don't mess with Steve Gregory. Okay, <laughs> this is exactly Wait, why. We'll continue with all in in all fairness okay. when we come back. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Did you see the story about um, ammunition background checks? The law that would have required people buying ammo in California to undergo the background check tossed out by a federal judge yesterday. Back when we voted Prop 63, I think it was, which would have required background checks for people buying ammo and banned high-capacity magazines. The judge yesterday said criminals, tyrants, and terrorists don't do background checks. Threw that thing out. So We are talking with Steve Gregory, who has taken a mission to be a thorn in the side of the L.A. County Board of Supervisors over just a simple question of, if it comes down to it, will you all take a pay cut? It seems like a simple question. I, I'm not really sure why I'm getting all this pushback. I and mean, they're like oddly defensive. Yeah. And I think just in a PR standpoint, like you said earlier, we said we're talking about this off the air. Catherine Barger, one of the greatest answers would have been, you know, I'll look into that. I, right. I think that would be a great idea if I could convince the, my fellow supervisors to voluntarily give up, even if it never happened, at least acknowledge the fact that. Hey, that does make a little bit of sense. Well, I, especially if it's going to save jobs, right? Or, you know, and even the way I see it is like you got to remember these people. I and mean, when you collectively have the five supervisors making, you know, 
tens of thousands of dollars a year. I, I can't remember the exact number. I think it's three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars a piece or something like that. And uh, I mean, you're looking at two, three million dollars between the, and that doesn't even count the perks and bennies that go along with that. Right. So, like, so if you take a, a voluntary pay cut of ten percent, now Mayor Garcetti, I'll give the man credit. He's answered that question boldly. He's he said, listen, you know, he says everything's on the table. And then later on, he said, after the furloughs, I've directed all my staff and my department heads 10% pay cut across the board. Also, they should be giving up their discretionary funds unless they're going towards, like, community programs that are, are employing people. Which is why I asked about that also in the email. Because yeah. I want to see how they're spending their money right now. Right. Is Mark Ridley Thomas buying office furniture with that? And, like, still? Well, I, I doubt that I'll doing? hear from some of these. I'll, 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 I'll not hear from any of these people. Because they're, they're going to put it. It's all going to, the burden's all going to come back on me right. to keep this thing moving and see how active I keep it. But the thing is, is, like, if you take a 10% pay cut in your salary, here's... Here's the thing about being an elected official and something like this. Their phone is paid for. Their vehicle is paid for. Their security is paid for. Um, meals are paid for because it's under expenses. Um, you know, they get priority parking. They get they get all these perks and bennies already. So taking a 10% pay cut, I, if nothing else, is more symbolic than anything. Sure. And it doesn't have to be all year long if they don't want to be. I And I'm not telling them they should take it. I'm just saying, like you said, the optics of it. When people are struggling to pay bills and, and, and keep their businesses open and, you know, you hear about it on your show every day. All these people are calling saying, you know, we need this, that, and the other. I just don't understand why the smugness. Yeah, well, but why you, the pushback? Yeah. You know, it's it's like what Gary said. All she had to say was that something we'll look into. If it comes to that, then I'd, you know, and I, I have a chance to save a job or a program or whatever. And it's just a little shaving of the money off my bottom line. Then fine. What what a hero. What would what, what a what kind of a hero would she have been? She said, you know what? And I'm going to announce today that I'm going to be the first one, even 5% pay cut. I'm going to take 5% pay cut. I'll take 10%. It almost doesn't matter what the percentage is. No, Just it the fact that she would it's be willing, that, you know, yeah. that a supervisor would be willing to do that. Um, because you can't, on the one hand, say we're all in this together. And I'm not saying that they're not working because clearly they're they're doing things. That's what they've right. been elected they're, they're to do. Right? Decisions, they're you know? making decisions mm-hmm. that are going to be important and impact the rest of the county. But, but – you can't say we're all in this together if if you're not. If you're not. And, and that and that I think is one of those messages that in terms of the politicians that we've seen get up in front of the podiums, whether it's Mayor Garcetti, Governor uh, Governor Newsom or or anybody, it's hard for people to see the image of uh, a governor, for example, in a in a three thousand dollar suit whose hair looks great mm-hmm. and he's showered and he's up and you know, I know he's got an image to protect, but it's hard for people to to hear the messages from a guy like that when they have no idea what the next week is going to bring in terms of food or rent payment or bills or anything like that. And that you can't say we're all in this together if you are, you know, if you're highly um, protected and in this bubble of I still have a job and I'm still paid and I don't have to worry about it. the beginning of these press conferences every day. It just it, I just kind of sit there and I, as I listen, because I don't watch the video feed. So you guys are watching. I'm not. I'm just listening. And so I, I'm, I'm hearing, you know, I'm hearing different things because I'm not distracted with the video. And, and I hear all of this, this thank you and this, this sort of like, you know, you're doing, you know, all this great work and all this. The thank yous back the and forth have just gotten so ridiculous. 
Um, Nobody wants to hear about your agencies cooperating with each other right no. now. It's one thing That's when you're talking about a fire, a wildfire response, but it's another thing when people are dying and their their financials are dying too. Su- surprise me with something. I expect all of the agencies to work together. I expect right. the supervisors <laughs> to be able to go to the county fire chief and say, we need this. And he says, got it. Right. Or or the sheriff's department or the police saying to the mayor, I, we've got this. I expect that, especially at a time like this. If you want to tell me that they did something above and beyond what they were expected, that's fine. Don't thank, but don't thank the politicians for leadership. That's why they're there. That, that's why they won the election that put them in that place. We expect them to do things like lead. I um, I can't remember who it was one time that told me it was a PIO that told me one. T- he said, "The best leadership comes from those you never hear from." It's an excellent point. Well, listen, the military is a great example of that, uh, and and I know that you know in the different capacities that we've all had as reporters trying to get information out of the military or or um, another example might be the fbi they're, they're not very forthcoming with the information that they give out you yeah. know why because they kick ass and they take names and they don't need to explain themselves yeah, to you the fbi i will have to say is sort of a bad example they so they sort of come in as the bullies and yes take they credit do. for everyone other, other <laughs> yes. agencies work absolutely uh, atf it's like the bastard stepchildren you know they sit off to the side or the redhead what i, I don't even know what i can say they, about that they, it's like a, it's somebody, like a pity politically correct it's, kinda, it's like a pity screw really when the atf is invited to the press conference know, you know there are always on the sides yeah you they're know. standing over there with the you know, arms in slings in and slings and casts they're still dirty yeah. from doing the actual work. And the, eight, and the FBI comes up with the $3,000 suits and the haircuts yeah. going, we want to say that uh, we uh, executed this flawlessly. <laughs> you know, but uh, not to say the FBI doesn't do good work. They do, but sometimes they uh, roll Overstep. in there. They, sometimes they roll in and take credit for yeah. a lot of other agencies' work. <laughs> Steve, thank you. Appreciate it. Always a pleasure. Mm-hmm. When we come back, I have something very special. Oh. I'm excited. We are going together to fill out the survey that I just received from Gwyneth Paltrow. Oh, this is great. This is what I needed. It's a goop survey. Oh, I can't wait. Steve, you want to stick around? No. Yeah, come on. Gary and Shannon will continue. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. All beastly boys today. Uh, it's going to be digital streaming on Apple TV Plus. The Beastie Boys story documentary is supposed to be out in theaters at the beginning of the month. We all know what happened to that, but uh, this documentary. What's on the a Beastie theater? <sighs> it's a place that vaguely smelled like old soda and butter. Yes. But it, that was the smell of a big blockbuster movie. Yeah. Mm, the good old days. I might have to just spill some bad soda in the living room or something and see if I can replicate that. The president now says he was being sarcastic when he uh, suggested that he could people could maybe inject themselves with disinfectant to treat the coronavirus. So we will uh, 
have all the latest for you coming out of Washington and reaction, <laughs> including Lysol, putting out several bulletins all across social media. Please don't inject our products. Hey, pencil this in. Uh, the governor's got a news conference at noon that we will we will be listening to. We're not going to broadcast it unless he says something important. We have our small business shout out coming up from a Palermo restaurant in Los Feliz. Our L.A. County update is at 1 o'clock. At 4 o'clock today on Facebook Live, uh, you get your house whisper fix. Dean Sharp is going to be on for an hour and answering your questions. And then at 5 o'clock on Instagram Live, at Gary and Shannon and at KFI AM 640, we will be doing our virtual happy hour at 5 o'clock tonight. So we'd love to see you there. So um, tell me about this Goop yeah. email you got. You signed up for the newsletter because we used to get a kick out of it, yes. and you keep getting Goop-related uh, content. They've been pretty good. It's a pretty regular, I want to say like twice a week. The last one you got was all about uh, sexual Se- aids. Yeah, self-love at a time of quarantine. And there were so many different kinds. And they were so expensive. And... You needed like a instruction manual with some of those things, ladies. Am I right? Remember those things? They there, uh, was, there was one with wings. So this one says, "Goop got answers. We've got questions, and I wish I had a better vocal burn." At Goop, are always driven by curiosity, and we prize connection. Right now, we prize connection. That's, what it That's says. like Gavin Newsomism. Right now, as we're all seeking new ways of connecting, we want to hear from you about how you're feeling, what you're interested in, what you're struggling with. So that we can give you the kinds of articles, recipes, podcasts, and resources that you want and need during this time. The survey below should take only five minutes or so. Your answers are confidential, and once submitted, all the information we collect is anonymous. But if you'd like to share more with us, you have a chance to give us your contact information so that we can be in touch to, to learn more from you. Some housekeeping. If you have questions about the survey, you can email this, privacy policy. Begin survey now. Let's do it. What three words best describe how you're feeling right now? <laughs> um, let's see. Remember, this is goop. They got to be good ones. Sanguine. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Annoyed. Come on, everybody. We're all playing along. Don't be don't be shy in there. Annoyed. Yeah. Annoyed. Annoyed. One more. Restless. Restless. Oh, mm. Nick, that's a good one. That means it speaks a lot. Which of the following activities would you like to add to your weekly routine? Cooking or baking? Exercising? Communicating with family or friends? No. Re- reading a new book? Reading articles online? Sh- shopping online? Reading a new book? Reading a new book. Shopping online? online. Shopping online, I will continue. Listening to music? Yeah, listening Listen. to music. Okay. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Okay. Uh, the other ones that you didn't choose, listening to podcasts, working on myself, meditation, no. breath work, practicing gratitude. What work? I don't like working work. on myself. You said something work. No. Oh, no, I thought I heard something else. Never mind. Watching TV or movies, owning a pet, organizing and cleaning home spaces or other. Which of the following have you added to your daily routine over the last two months? And then it's the same. The Birding. Same. Oh, uh, there's an other there. Yeah. I'll write birding. Let's see. Okay. Uh, have you added exercise? Do you think you're exercising more? Yes. Okay. So we'll put that in there. And are you watching more TV? Yes. Are you organizing and cleaning home spaces? I'm going to do that today. What? Clean. Oh, okay. I'll put that one in there. Let's see next. We're in the middle of our Goop survey. Here's number four. How many times a week do you typically visit the following for guidance? For guidance, 
Never once a week, twice a week, every other day or every day. Goop social media. Mm. You typically visit Goop social media for guidance. How many times a week? Zero. Zero. What about the Goop website? The Goop website. Yeah. How often do you typically visit for the guidance? Never. I've Never. seen it one time. In the last week? No. No. Goop podcasts. Never. Once a week, twice a week, every other day, every day. Goopcasts. Never. Goop YouTube. Never. Goop Netflix. Never. No. Never. Nothing. Goop. I don't take in any of your crap. All right. Which of the following have you recently acquired? Fitness apps, shopping apps, wellness apps, meal delivery services, wearable tech, gaming consoles, online educational apps, exercise machines like a mirror or a Peloton, video streaming service memberships, beauty subscription box, pet subscription box, fashion subscription box, life coach services. I'm going to write that one down. Remote therapy services or magazine subscription. Which of these theoretical goop offerings would you be interested in if they were available tomorrow? Okay. Online motivational challenges? God, no. Yes. On, yeah, let's do that. Online conversations with goop staff experts? Absolutely and, not. Yeah, I'm going to write yes. Private online events? What does yeah. that mean? I think you know what that means. They teach you how to use your. Your, uh, Private online chats with other Goop readers. Oh no. my gosh! You should do all of these and just see what happens. All right, o- do them all. Online master classes no. with Goop experts. Absolutely in- not. <sighs> An <laughs> online forum on Goop.com. Yes and yes. You're gonna get so much crazy s. I can't wait. If Goop could help you do one thing right now, what would it be? Throw myself out the window. Get motivated to stay active and mindful. Nope. Laugh. Bring me cheese and wine and pizza. I will write cheese and wine. Okay. And then six months from now, would you still want Goop to help you with your answer to the previous question of cheese and wine? Yes. Overall, how helpful has Goop been to you in the last two months very helpful, somewhat helpful, neither helpful, no unhelpful, somewhat unhelpful, very unhelpful, or none of the above. You know, you're a little too talented at this. <sighs> and in your own words, please tell us how Goop can serve you better. Go F. Oh, no, don't do not do that. I don't want to get put on a list. <laughs> Gwyneth is going to come and beat you? Yeah. Okay. So how can Goop serve you better? More personal aid. Ads. Oh, great. Would you like to participate in future Goop research studies? Yes. Yes, I consent to Goop contacting me. Oh, my goodness. And then it gets the email address. Should I put mine or yours? Yours. <laughs> Phone number two? Yeah, put your put, put the number. It's in there. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Big thank you for taking time to share your thoughts with us. We value your feedback. We're excited to create more of what you want. We'd love to hear from your friends, too. If you'd like, you can use the link below to share this survey with them. Go forth and be mindful. Mm. All of what's trending, we come back.
Gary and Shannon. KFI AM six forty live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. This may be one of those albums to listen to from front to back. Yes. This one and Paul's Boutique might be the ones to. Uh... Hmm. One o'clock. We're going to get our update from uh, Los Angeles County. Gavin Newsom, the governor of the state, is uh, giving his regular update right now, and he's talking about the importance of making sure that we protect going forward, whatever restrictions are eased, et cetera, that the priority has got to be protecting seniors since they seem to be the most susceptible to uh, to coronavirus and the effects thereof. So we'll uh, pay attention to what he's saying, and then uh, if there's anything significant, we'll bring it to you uh, a little bit later. What else is going on? Time for What's Happening. Well, the president signed a nearly $500 billion interim coronavirus bill into law today. It includes additional money for the small business loan program, which quickly ran dry, as well as more funding for hospitals and testing. During the ceremony, he walked back those comments that he made yesterday, talking about... Just kind of working it through out loud if people could get an injection of a disinfectant. Now he says, he told reporters there in the Oval Office that he was being sarcastic. That was, uh, interior-wise, it's, it said sarcastically. It was, it was put in the form of a question to a group of extraordinarily hostile people, namely the fake news media. One of the reporters for Fox outside the White House today was in that press briefing yesterday in the coronavirus briefing. And was doing the report on this topic, you know, Tide Pods and disinfectant, Lysol and everything. And even he said, uh, yeah, I heard the president's explanation today, but I was in that coronavirus briefing yesterday. And either I'm bad at reading people or there was absolutely no sarcasm in that comment. No. Now, we listened to it earlier. It's not sarcastic in the least. It's it's not. And the, the frustrating part about it is that he could have, he just, well, he didn't even have to say anything about it. Right. And then I see the disinfectant. Where it knocks it out in a minute, one minute, and is there a way we can do something like that uh, by injection inside or or almost a cleaning? Because you see, it gets on the lungs and it. I, I, listen, he he doesn't have to riff on the things that the. Right. The doctors before him say. Right. And you're also not going to come up with an independent new medical thought that is going to wipe this thing out. You're not a doctor. You know, like you can And that's the thing. I mean, when this president talks, he doesn't realize that there's going to be people out there that are going to listen to him and take that seriously and, and roll the dice because there will be people. Uh, based on the the gravity of the office of the president of the United States. So you can't just uh, get up there and and spitball different medical theories that may work or may not, because people are taking you very seriously. But that's just the way he is. That's just the way he talks. Now, Lysol uh, (laughs) races out a statement saying, as a global leader in health and hygiene products, we must be clear that under no circumstance should our disinfectant products be administered into the human body through injection ingestion or any other route does any i guess there would be some in a country of 330 million people there would be some yes but is somebody going to drink bleach because they believe that this is going to counteract whatever effect the coronavirus is there are a lot of oh it'll kill the coronavirus yeah yeah and you with it 
Joe Biden has returned a donation that he got from Louis C.K. <laughs> Louis C.K., of course, who was having after after parties where he would uh, masturbate uh, in front of friends during some sort of, I don't know, comedy routine among friends. He's apologized. He's acknowledged all of that uh, involving five different women. But I guess he made the donation early last month. And now Biden's campaign has given it back. Do you believe the story about uh, Tara Reid, the former aide to the uh, then Senator Biden? No. There's been a lot of discussion about whether we believe women anymore. I don't find her credible. I don't know if I find her credible. And I know that's a dangerous thing. I'm not supposed to say that. It's all about believe women, believe women, believe women. But, I mean, you've got to take into account different people's character. Well, and I, I... Or what you know about them. This is also shaky ground for me to stand on because I do have a penis and testicles, which completely excludes me from the conversation in many people's eyes. Um, but if there was a pattern, and I don't mean the creepy thing. I don't mean the, like he no, puts yeah. his hands on the shoulders and whispers in We've the ear. We've seen and the, all of that. Back. But the stuff that she's alleging, that would be zero to 100. Right. And there would be many more stories. If he felt that emboldened that one time, that doesn't happen. It's a game of numbers. If if he was getting away with that kind of behavior, then he would be doing it all the time. You don't just go from from not doing any of that kind of harassment to what she's alleging. Right. Well, to uh, add even more fuel to the men versus women fire, the mayor of Japan's third largest city has suggested that men do the grocery shopping during the coronavirus pandemic because chicks take too long. That Am is I right? BS. That's BS because all of y'all don't know where anything is in the market. So it takes you longer. <laughs> That's exactly what I, I know was where say. everything is. It takes have, my husband so much longer. I will have to, I have many times called my wife and say, listen, yeah. I can find the baking soda, yeah. but it's not the same place as the baking powder. Which yeah. one do I get and why and where are they? Yeah. I I, I would agree with that. Women account for fifty one percent of the Japanese population. Now, if we're clothes shopping That's different. Dudes in and out, nobody gets hurt. But Women be shopping. That's what he said. All right. There's a mayor in Kentucky, Bowling Green, Kentucky. He found a woman hiding in a cellar. He uh, He's Bruce Wilkerson, and he said he heard noises and smelled cigarette smoke outside a home he's renovating. And he checks the cellar, and he finds traces of blood on the doors and a, a bag with women's leggings. You know what's weird is in the state of Kentucky, they're now legally married. <laughs> And it's his cousin. And they've already been there. <laughs> All right. Uh, we come back. Our small business shout out today. Palermo Italian Restaurant in Los Feliz. What better time, as we heard in the newscast, what better time than to have somebody else cook for you when it's 98 degrees outside? We'll introduce you to Palermo's Italian Restaurant when we come back. I looked out the window, seeing his bull head. Ran through the fridge and pulled out an egg. Scoped over my scopes. He had no hair. Lost that shot. He was caught. So mortified, I would never be able to do anything ever again for the rest of my life. Okay, so uh, Gary and Shannon, KFI AM six forty live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Apparently, Gavin Newsom is launching a friendship line for people in California who need to talk to someone. There's a friendship line number. Should we? Should we call it? No. 
No. That's no. nice. That's nice. It is very nice. I like that. Because there are people but, that don't have uh, family or friends and probably feel alone. True. It kind of sounds like it should be spelled with a W instead of an R. <laughs> it just sounds sweet. I feel like he is losing points with that. The friendship line? Yep. Well, you have a family. You've got friends. There are people that are isolated. I know. And I want to know what happens when we call the friendship number. Like, is it, is there a person on the other end sitting in some sort of call center? Who, who's answering that? And um, are they really friendly? And I don't. How do, how do we know if I have the same interests as they do? You know, I mean, that would, that's a good point. Wait, friend, like, like what if I want to call and talk about, you know, the, the Real Housewives? Oh, or the draft, right? What if this person doesn't watch football or the Real Housewives? How is that going to be a friend to me? Not not going to be a friend to me. Sometimes you just need a voice on the other end of the line. Right, which is why I think it's nice. But I don't know if I'd call it a friendship line. It's kind of over-promising something, isn't it? Bottom, when you don't know if this person's going to share my interests. Bottom of the hour, the president uh, signed that small business aid bill approved by the House and Senate this week. We'll be talking with Andrew Dimbert from Washington, D.C. about all of this. But it's time for our small business shout-out brought to you by Spectrum Business. Which to Spectrum Business get the best internet and phone for your business? Today, Michelle Fanara joins us. Her family owns a Palermo Italian restaurant in Los Feliz. Michelle, thanks for joining us. How you doing? I'm good. How are you guys today? We're good. So how have you been through this all? How's it going with the business? Well, you know, um, I can tell you that business has been down, at least in the restaurant, about 90% of what we would normally be. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that, you know, you can't sit in a restaurant. You're just getting takeout. And so that takes out the majority of your, you know, of your clientele. Do you, this is a really random and general question, do you believe that restaurants will be different going forward? I feel like there's a social, like you're just saying, that there's a social aspect to going to restaurants that's never going to go away. It just may take some time to come back. I think once we're allowed to have the customers come back in, it, it is going to be a little bit different um, as, you know, as far as, as, you know, people like sitting near each other, they may not want to be so close to each other. Uh, I I sub in as a bartender, so I can tell you people are not going to want to be sitting, you know, elbow to elbow, and that's going to be that way for a while. But then once we start getting back to whatever our new norm, then that, you know, the society will have to determine how this goes. What's the story behind Palermo Italian Restaurant? How did it all get started? Well, my dad opened up the restaurant, um, over 40 years ago. So I guess technically we are, we're like one of those LA landmark type places because we've been around for 40 years and I think it's actually almost 45 years. And my dad is, he's not from this country. He's from Sicily, which is from Italy. And he grew up as a poor, you know, immigrant and came over to this country as another poor immigrant and just, you know, worked his way through the ranks and became, you know, he worked at San Antonio Winery and then he opened up a restaurant and started out with 10 tables and it was on a different street, 10 tables, and then we outgrew it. So now we're at a much bigger location, which we've been there for 37 years because I'm a year older than the location. 
And what are some of the standouts on your menu? What's so what's very popular? Uh, well, the pizza, uh, I don't know if you guys remember, there used to be the show called L.A.'s Best, and it was hosted by Tawny Little. So that was something that we actually beat out Spago's Pizza with the L.A.'s Best um, when she was doing that judging. So that, uh, it's the pizza, and it just all kind of, there, there's a bunch of random things. I personally like our uh, raviolis because we make those. We make those in-house. Oh, that's cool. I love homemade ravioli. Mm. When it's, it, when it's it comes, really good. When it comes to uh, any ravioli, I shouldn't say any ravioli is good, but ravioli in general, is, it's like pizza. I mean, yeah, you, it, it just feels good. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? It's comforting. So, yeah. You guys, are you, are you serving the full menu uh, for delivery and online or just certain parts of it? Uh, no, we do. We're serving our full menu, uh, delivery online. Uh, you can actually call in. Um, I I know services like Grubhub and DoorDash and Postmates, uh, they up the charges. So a lot of the times if you actually call into the restaurant, not to put those places out of business or those gate workers out of business, but a lot of times when you call into the restaurants, you actually are paying what the restaurant is going to charge and not what, you know, Grubhub's extra fees are, too. Oh, that's good. That's a good uh, tip there. Our Fork reporter, Neil Saavedra, just texted me saying Palermo is fantastic. He hosts a food show here, so that's uh, high praise right there. Uh, the yeah. menu looks incredible. Well, I mean, we have a fairly large menu. We just, I mean, we downsized it maybe about a year ago. We took some items off of it. Uh, like, for example, we used to have manicotti on there, but we don't have that anymore. Uh, we used to have a filet of sole dish, which I think I was the only person eating it. So got rid of that one. That would be you and my mother. She orders that every single time we go to an Italian restaurant. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So we had to get rid of that. (laughs) And, you know, we can, if it's not on the menu, though, sometimes we can actually still make it. Like, we don't have a vodka sauce on the menu, but we can make a vodka sauce. So... I love those places too, where it's not on the menu, and you and and you ask for it, and like, oh, sure, we can do that. Those are the best. Absolutely, you know that's that's more of your homey homey restaurants that, you know, it's like, oh yeah, sure, no problems, we got this. <laughs> hey, Michelle, you also you also have a, a martial arts studio in uh, Duarte, is that right? Yes, I do. I actually own and run it. Um, that's one of like the six jobs that I do. Um, but yeah, so I own and run a martial arts studio. Uh, I am my own. I'm a sole proprietor, and so I'm actually teaching classes on Zoom right now. Which it's not easy. Teaching karate on Zoom is definitely not an easy thing. But I'm still trying to do it. And I also have a. Uh, it's a. It's not CrossFit, but it's like a CrossFit class that I also run. And I I'm doing those as you know as much as I can, and you know just trying. We're all like everybody. We're all just trying to survive this. Well, where where can people find the martial arts studio and the and the Zoom classes? Well, the the martial arts studio. Uh, you could actually go to our website. I don't have. I'm going to be putting the Zoom uh, information up today, actually, because it's pretty much just been. Yeah, you can. If you're a student, you can just come into this. But uh, I'll put up some Zoom information on it today. Our 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 website address is valariduarte.net, and you can. And if it's not up there, you can always shoot me an email. I'm the one that personally emails you back. 
um, from our email account, and I will give you all the Zoom information that you would need in order to jump in. I always give a week free to, to just try out the classes, see if you like it. Oh, that's and cool. if you, I mean, how are you going to know if you're going to like something if you only take like one class or two classes? But if you have like maybe like three, four classes, I know it's like, okay, yeah, now I'm getting this. Michelle Fanara, thank you so much for joining us again. Palermo Italian Restaurant in Los Feliz, as well as Valari Martial Arts in Duarte. Appreciate it, Michelle. Thank you. You bet. Today's small business shout out brought to you by Spectrum Business. Switch to Spectrum Business. Get the best internet and phone for business. Coming back, the latest on the new small business aid bill approved and uh, by the House and Senate, signed by the president today. Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Friday, April 24th, uh, day pizza, as we call it. A couple things that we've been watching. The governor is giving his uh, daily briefing on the coronavirus in California. A couple things that he mentioned. Number one, uh, good news is that the hospitalization numbers have stabilized up and down the state. That while ICU admissions have gone up by about 1%, that's a small enough increase that uh, it's it looks as if things have been stabilizing quite a bit when it comes to the numbers. Uh, and again, those aren't the number of cases because we've seen increases in testing. So, of course, the numbers are going to go up. It's the number of hospitalizations, he says, that have been stabilized. Uh, also, in terms of the friendship line that was established, a triple eight toll free line you could call for a friend, uh, United Airlines has decided that they will turn over their call centers basically to the state and allow them to use the call centers for wellness checks on people. Well, that's nice. Because there's going to be a series of phone calls that need to be made, as especially as we get into this area of you know, reopening where there are still going to be pockets of uh, members of the community that are going to be under quarantine orders, that they're an opportunity for us, for us to go and still check on people to make sure everything's okay. Michelle wrote to us. She said, my sister-in-law's coworker got a call from the phone number one up from his. It was an elderly woman who has no family. She asked if she could just talk to her for a little while because she was lonely. He talked to her for over an hour and told her she could call back if she got lonely again. Ugh. It's nice to have See, a friendship line. I agree. All right, but I'm not going to call it because I don't want to take up the No, but I do. Somebody. I am curious to see who's answering that. I mean, how many people are involved? What goes on? Stuff's still going on in Washington D.C. It's time for Swamp Watch. Drain the swamp. We're going to drain the swamp of Washington. We're going to have fun doing it. We're all doing it together. Well, the president signed a big, massive bill today to help employers and hospitals under stress. Andrew Dimbert joins us from D.C. with the latest. Andrew, what's in this massive bill? Well, it's mostly to replenish the Paycheck Protection Program, right? And the president signed it into law earlier this afternoon. Most of this money, it's a $484 billion package. Most of this money will go towards small businesses and helping them secure loans. But another portion of it will go towards hospitals, as well as ramp up national COVID-19 testing efforts. 
there was some criticism that came in pretty hot and heavy over companies that got some money from the original bill that shouldn't have, uh, if if nothing else, just because of the PR version of it, that they are big, big companies that are getting money that should go to smaller companies. Were, were there any new provisions in this bill to try to prevent that? Yes, absolutely. In fact, actually, yesterday at his briefing, President Trump said that he is asking all of those large companies and publicly traded corporations to return any money that they may have gotten from the Paycheck Protection Program. And in this round of stimulus, refunding that Paycheck Protection Program, a subcommittee was created that will not only oversee this money, but also report fraud and misuse. And here's the thing, they'll also now have power to subpoena companies and CEOs who abuse this program or unjustly receive money that was not intended for them. How soon can businesses expect to see this? Well, if we go off of the last round of stimulus, it took about a week, a little bit less, for businesses to start actually receiving some of those funds from the Paycheck Protection Program. But uh, they can start receiving it probably expected in a little shorter time than that, maybe perhaps in a couple of days, because many companies, we're hearing as many as one million, were stuck in the pipeline of the application process, meaning they already applied to get some of those loans, but the money dried up last week, they'll be at the top of the list. They don't necessarily have to reapply. Now they just have to wait to actually get approved and get that funding. So they'll be first. Other businesses that maybe didn't get a chance to apply last week or in the last round of funding will also have that opportunity as well. And then the basics of this in terms of the, the physical moving of the money, the government gives this money to the banks, is it? And then the banks get to decide where it goes? More or less, yeah. And that was actually kind of an issue that was that has been addressed. Well, it was addressed really in the last round of stimulus towards the end as that money started to run out. You had small businesses that were complaining that, look, we don't normally do our banking with large banks. We use PayPal. We use Intuit. Uh, so about halfway through the money running out the last go around, the government made some changes and allowed some of those smaller financial tech companies to participate in the Paycheck Protection Program. And they can fully now participate in this round of stimulus as well. All right, Andrew Dimber, thank you so much. Great info as always. Thank you. All right. Uh, we come back. Some of these uh, states we've been seeing, like uh, Georgia, begin the process of reopening or at least loosening some of the restrictions for people to stay at home. We'll talk about that. Alex Stone is going to join us to talk about uh, what other states are doing around the country. Mike. I have had it with this two-step authentication thing (laughs) to get into my freaking email. Got to be safe. You never know who's out there trying to track you down. God. You okay? It's just so lame. It's like the refrigerator emails that we haven't gotten, thank God. No, I mean, I I really like that guy. I just don't need a refrigerator email every Friday telling me that it's going to be cleaned out over the weekend. Have you seen the the iceberg in our fridge, by the way? Yeah, what are we going to do about that? I don't know. you got to take it down. you got to take the refrigerator down to the the other room down there and drain it. The kitchen? Yeah. It's bad. It's really bad. I never noticed it before. I don't know how to do that. That seems like man's work. Seriously? 
We are in the middle of Swamp Watch, and we are talking about some of the states who have decided to open things up a little early. Uh, loosen that stay-at-home restriction. The the map is all over the place. If you've seen some of the news channels have been doing a map of the United States and then color-coding when states are going to reopen and, and start to ease some of these restrictions, and it's just all over the place because each state has been different in terms of how they've, number one, handled everything, number two, when they closed everything down, and number three, what the expectation is going forward in terms of their testing and how uh, widespread this thing is, if at all. Alex Stone, our friend, working from uh, from home, aren't you, Alex, right? Yeah, still am. How you guys doing? Good. Great. How are you doing Smells over like there? Smells like sourdough bread. What are, <laughs> yeah, we've been making a lot of bread. I, I can tell you whatever you want to know about starter right now. <laughs> we're like, uh, uh, boy, we're... does it grow fast. And, uh, you know, if you want any, I can bring some over. We're like all suddenly Quakers and making our own right. bread. Yeah. It's it's a weird reaction to this. Bread, our own bread, uh, our own, what, zucchini bread, banana bread, everything that people are making. You want to make butter next or something? Hmm. Uh, I'll churn it this afternoon. I was going to say, I'm not, sure. know, I'll bring I'm, it over. I'm not sure we are in the right climate for butter churning. <laughs> no, not today. We'll see. All right, so uh, Georgia was really the state that was making the headlines when it uh, when it reopened some businesses today. Yeah, and this is the big headline today. There are some other states uh, that are opening things up as well. But with Georgia, the big chunk of the economy there is being allowed to reopen as of today. So you've got gyms, hair salons, barbers, bowling alleys next week, uh, restaurant dining rooms and movie theaters. And you've got this dichotomy right now that you've got Governor Kemp saying it's time to reopen. Let's go ahead and do it. Then you've got uh, a lot of mayors, including the mayor of Atlanta and even President Trump saying this is too soon for the the bowling alleys and the, the movie theaters and that, yeah, he wants things reopened, but that may be going a, a little bit too far. So they're going to be a little bit of a, a test case trying to figure out, did they go too far? Uh, what will their numbers do? Will they go up? Won't they go up? And then others can kind of look at that. And once the restaurants begin to, to reopen for dining room service and the movie theaters and all of that. And in some neighborhoods that you go into in the Atlanta area, it is politically incorrect to reopen right now. But you got to understand the, the plight of these business owners to say they've got to try to reopen, that they've been shut down now for a month and a half, that they're really hurting, that they've got to get the ball rolling on trying to open up again, even though some of the more liberal areas around Atlanta are saying no, now is not the time. But you've got Georgia, Oklahoma is doing some of that. Alaska is doing some of that as well. Today is really the day we're beginning to see some of the reopening. I'm concerned or not concerned, but curious as to how it's going to work out, like when you have places like Atlanta versus the state of Georgia and uh, differing opinions on all of this, uh, where the mayor's power comes in over the governor or what that balance of power is like. Well, it's different than it is here in California, where you've got a a Democrat as a governor and in L.A. and San Francisco, very much in line uh, as Democrats, as mayors, that in in the case of Atlanta or Oklahoma City, that they don't agree. But the governor's order, at least in those states, is superseding what the the local cities want to do. So Atlanta is going along with what Governor Kemp wants. In Oklahoma City, the the mayor there held a... uh, kind of emotional news conference about an hour ago talking about how this is not the right time to be doing this, but that the governor of Oklahoma is ordering it. 
and they're going to follow those orders. And Oklahoma isn't going as far as Georgia, but they're pretty close that today any place that can take appointments, they can reopen next week. Restaurant, dining rooms, movie theaters, sport venues, gyms will reopen in Oklahoma. And the mayor there saying that they disagree, and at least at a city government level, but they're not going to go up against the governor and that the governor, at least in those states, has the, the ultimate say in what they're going to do. And the, and the stores, if they're not comfortable, if the people are afraid that they're going to put their employees at risk or potentially their customers, they don't they don't have to reopen. That's well, yeah. And that's the thing that, that we've heard from a number of different restaurants and different types of stores saying, no, that, that they're not going to do this, that they don't feel like that they can do it comfortably yet, that they don't feel like with the service that they provide that that they can get the ball rolling yet without the the danger of infection being there. And, you know, Michigan is doing something interesting today as well, that you've got all of the the protests have been going on there, and Governor Whitmer has been listening to that and and coming out today and saying, okay, we hear what you've been saying. They're extending the stay-at-home order until May 15th, but they're modifying it. And she's saying that people in Michigan, you're going to have to wear face masks now, but landscapers, nurseries, they can get back to work. Big box stores can reopen the areas that were closed off to the public. Uh, any place that can do curbside pickup, can do delivery, they can do that now. They can reopen and offer that. Bike repair and maintenance can come back online. So there is a little bit of wiggle room there, even in these states where they've been very locked down, that the governors are saying, okay, we're going to continue that, but we're going to be able to, you know, like what we're seeing in California with beaches and whatnot, we're going to give you a little bit of room now so you can get back out there but not complete like what we're seeing elsewhere. Alex, I did find a recipe for making butter. Apparently, you just need to blend heavy or whipping cream on medium-high in a blender, and you'll get whipped cream. And then after about five minutes, the fat and the liquid separate. They form the butter and the buttermilk. Pour off as much of the buttermilk as you can, and then you scoop the butter into very cold water, and you knead and squeeze it to release any of the remaining buttermilk. You do this several <laughs> that sounds like times. Way too much work. Can I just go back to the whipped cream part? Uh, let's just stick to whipped cream and, and let's enjoy that. You pat the butter dry, you stir in some salt to taste, store in the refrigerator an airtight container for about a week, and voila. They say it's very yeah, fun to make with... Or just go on Instacart and yeah, order butter. There's right. that, too. But it says it's fun to make with uh, with kids, and I know you got a couple of those. Yeah, there's a few in the backyard right now. Maybe we'll get on that. I'll uh, I'll post some pictures if we're making butter this weekend. Okay, right. sounds good. Thanks, Alex. Thanks, guys. Alex Bye. Stone there with the latest. Um, again, a reminder this afternoon, today, Dean Sharp and House Whisperer hang out on Facebook Live at 4 p.m. Just uh, look up uh, Dean Sharp and uh, House Whisperer on Facebook, and you'll find him at 4 p.m. doing it live, and uh, he'll answer any questions you have about DIY stuff while you're sheltering in your home. And then we are doing our virtual happy hour today at 5 o'clock on the Gary and Shannon Instagram page and the KFI AM 640 official Instagram page. We'll get an update from L.A. County coming up next right here on Gary and Shannon. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on that iHeartRadio app. 
Just to uh, wrap up some of the things that the governor said today, um, among other things, there's a good partnership that he has announced that is one of those places that's going to, well, it's a FEMA partnership with restaurants and meals uh, to give meals to seniors. We're going to go to Los Angeles County, the Hall of Administration, downtown L.A., Dr. Barbara Ferrer about to take the podium. Good afternoon, everyone, and thank you so much, Supervisor Barger, and to the entire Board of Supervisors. I feel very fortunate to work under your leadership, Supervisor, and I know I've benefited enormously from your strength and from your vision. To update you on our current status, I'm sad to report an additional 52 deaths today from COVID-19. Forty-three of these people who died are over the age of 65, and 34 people over the age of 65 who passed away had underlying health conditions. Seven people who died are between the ages of 41 and 65, and all of these people had underlying health conditions. The one person who passed away who was between the ages of 18 and 40 also had underlying health conditions. We don't have this information for the one case that's being reported today by the city of Pasadena. This does bring the total number of deaths to 848 for the entire county. One death previously reported was found to be from another jurisdiction. 91% of all of the people who have died in LA County from COVID-19 did have underlying health conditions. This demonstrates the need for people who have serious health conditions to remain at home, avoid close contact with other people as much as is possible, and at the very first sign of illness, we ask that you contact your provider. If you don't have a health care provider, please call 211, and they can make sure that you're connected with a provider in your community. For the 771 people who have passed away, where we have information on their race and ethnicity, 15% who died were African American, 18% were Asian, 1% are Native Hawaiian and Pacific or Pacific Islander, 37% are Latinx, 28% are white, and 1% identified with another race and or ethnicity. To those of you who are grieving the loss of a loved one from COVID-19, we're really uh, completely sorry for your loss, and we wish you and your family peace. We're reporting uh, today 1,035 new cases, and this brings the total number of cases in L.A. County to 18,517. These cases include 518 cases that were reported by our partners in the city of Long Beach and 293 cases reported by the city of Pasadena. I'm also reporting 100 confirmed cases amongst people experiencing homelessness. Uh, this includes 55 people who were sheltered and now are appropriately isolated and their close contacts are quarantined. The vast majority of people uh, who tested positive who are sheltered were residing at the Union Rescue Mission, uh, and we continue to work with the mission to both make sure that folks are isolating and quarantining, uh, but also to conduct additional testing of both employees and uh, guests. Uh, we are conducting an additional seven investigations at shelters, and here we identify both residents and staff, staff who need testing, isolation, and quarantine. Uh, 4,211 people who were positive for COVID-19 have at some point during their illness needed to be hospitalized. This is 23% of all positive cases. 
Currently, there's 1,858 people who are positive for COVID-19 that are in the hospital. 30% of these people are in the ICU and 19% are on ventilators. These numbers have remained uh, very stable over the last few weeks. So although we've seen an increase in the number of cases, the percent of people that needed to be hospitalized and the percent of people in the ICUs and uh, using ventilators has remained uh, fairly stable for the last few weeks. We're currently conducting 293 institutional uh, set. We're, we're currently investigating at 293 institutional settings where there's at least one confirmed case of COVID-19. This is seven additional investigations since yesterday. Uh, these include nursing homes, assisted living facilities, shelters, treatment centers, supportive living, and correctional facilities. The total number of confirmed cases in institutional settings has now risen to 5,339 people. This includes 3,847 residents and 1,492 staff. Uh, the number uh, of uh, the large increase in the number of residents uh, is because we have done a lot of testing uh, in our facilities, um, and because of the increased testing, we've been able to identify many asymptomatic residents and staff who are positive for COVID-19. I am sad to report that 365 residents who lived in these institutional settings died from COVID-19, and this now represents 43% of all of our deaths uh, across L.A. County. The majority of people who passed away uh, did reside in our skilled nursing facilities. As part of our ongoing efforts to ensure the safety of employees and residents at skilled nursing facilities, we are announcing uh, today that Dr. Davis will be issuing a new health officer order for all licensed congregate healthcare facilities. The order includes measures intended to reduce uh, the transmission of COVID-19 at these facilities and to protect vulnerable residents as well as all of the employees. The order will require facilities to limit the entry to the facilities to only those people who need to work at the facility. This means that non-essential visitors and workers cannot come into any of the congregate living facilities. It suspends all communal dining and activities, communal activities to make sure that there's ample distancing among the residents who reside there. Staff will be required to always wear surgical masks and to use personal protective equipment when it's appropriate. And residents will also need to wear surgical masks or cloth face coverings when they're outside of their personal room. The facilities will be required to follow all of the recommended infection control guidelines, both from the federal government, the state government, and uh, the local government here, our, our public health guidance. The facilities are also, and this is new, they are required to conduct COVID-19 testing for asymptomatic and symptomatic residents and staff, and they will be working with the Department of Public Health to determine the frequency of that testing. I want to mention that beginning on Monday, in coordination with L.A. City and with assistance from the Department of Health Services, we will begin this process to make sure that we're able to test all of the residents and staff that reside in our skilled nursing homes. 
As we start this testing, facilities with the most severe outbreaks will be prioritized. But we will, in fact, uh, make sure that there's testing available in every single skilled nursing facility uh, in the county of L.A. I'm also reporting 115 confirmed cases at some point in time at our jail facilities. 47 were among people who are incarcerated, and 69 were among staff. The sheriff's office is reporting that today in their facilities, there are 28 uh, inmates who are positive, 19 people who are incarcerated that have recovered, and 92 people who are incarcerated that are in isolation. 2,240 uh, people who are incarcerated in the jails are currently quarantined. There are 93 cases in the state prison. 77 are among people who are incarcerated, and 16 are among staff. And there are 85 cases in the federal prison facilities. 82 of these are among people who are incarcerated, and three are among staff. 11 staff working in our juvenile facilities have also tested positive for COVID-19. We do post everyday information by facility that includes the number of positive and suspect cases, as well as now, uh, hopefully starting today, uh, the number of people who have died amongst the residents and the staff. And you can see an updated report of all of our L.A. County cases on the Department of Public Health's website at publichealth.lacounty.gov. Uh, the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department today is reporting 61 positive cases among staff, 295 staff are still quarantined, and 612 staff have returned to work. The L.A. County Fire Department uh, will be updating their numbers uh, later today. And I want to thank Sheriff Villanueva and Chief Osby for tracking and reporting this data. There's over 108,000 people who have been tested and had their results uh, reported to L.A. County uh, Public Health Department. And 15% of people tested for COVID-19 have been positive. And I want to continue to encourage people who have symptoms to please get tested and to note that this test only takes a few minutes. The information is confidential. It will be released only to you. Uh, and to your provider if you designated a provider. The tests only take a few minutes, and appointments are available at almost all of the regional testing sites. So you can find the testing sites and make an appointment online at covid19.lacounty.gov slash testing. Um, in closing, uh, Ramadan has begun, and I want to wish a happy Ramadan to our Muslim friends and neighbors uh, who are observing. This is a time when people want to be with their faith community, their friends, and their extended families. Because it's really important to continue to follow the Safer at Home order, this prohibits gatherings of any kind. So we're asking you to please observe this month with the people in your household and connect to your faith community, your friends, and your extended family from afar, online, by phone, and using all the other ways technology is allowing us to stay in touch. I wish all of you in L.A. County a safe weekend. Thank you so much for what you're doing to slow the spread of COVID-19. And now I'm going to introduce Kevin McGowan, the Director of Emergency Management.
Good afternoon. Thank you, uh, Dr. Ferrer. Uh, Kevin McGowan, the Director of the Office of Emergency Management and also the County's Emergency Operations Center. Uh, I wanted to share a few remarks today about our cooling centers. So as warm weather continues to arrive in Los Angeles County and we transition into summertime, uh, we know that there's out-risk populations uh, who might not have access to air-conditioned environments, and they might need some. So the county, in conjunction with our city partners, have activated about 10 cooling centers that are spaced throughout our county to provide um, emergency assistance if people can't have access to cooling. The emergency cooling centers are currently in operation starting today at 12 and going till 6 p.m. tonight and then also tomorrow from 12 to 6. And we'll continue to reassess the need for cooling centers in the future based on um, the weather conditions. Our cooling centers are operated uh, utilizing social distancing and uh, safety practices that would be important for this pandemic. Uh, information related to the cooling centers can be found on ready.lacounty.gov. That's ready.lacounty.gov, or you can go to any of our county websites and access the information that's needed to find the closest cooling center to your location. With that, Ryan, we're now ready for questions. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, if you do wish to ask a question, please press 1, then 0. Our first question will come from the line of Ryan Carter with the LA Daily News. Please go ahead. Your line is open. Doctor, uh, thank you very much. Um, for Dr. Ferrer, I, I wonder if you had a um, breakdown by percentage of the underlying conditions most at play um, in, in the county's fatalities and hospitalizations. I ask um, kind of in the spirit of, uh, of a national uh, study that was out the other day in the New England um, Journal of Medicine. And do you have any concerns about how particularly younger adults with underlying conditions um, would sort of uh, I guess, for lack of a better word, reintegrate um, into you know society once these measures are ended, and any corresponding concerns about sort of false senses of security. And forgive me for tagging this one on, but I did want to ask: Did you request the National Guard um, assistance um, at um, nursing homes? And that's it. Thank you. Okay, thanks. Um, let me start with the request for the National Guard. We didn't request the National Guard, but we requested help. <laughs> and the National Guard was great. So uh, we did ask the state, you know, to help us with staffing. The easiest thing for them to do was to deploy the National Guard, and we're extraordinarily grateful uh, that they did. Um, and they continue to provide us with support at, at the skilled nursing facilities um, through other other staff as well as uh, I believe the National Guard is here for the entire week. So I want to be very grateful uh, for the support and the quick response. We put in a request one day and the next day the National Guard were being deployed. Um, I don't have a breakdown of for the people who are hospitalized uh, by their underlying health conditions, uh, nor for the people who have unfortunately passed away uh, in terms of uh, what exactly was the underlying health condition. Uh, we do document a whole range of conditions that we consider uh, based on the science that uh, may in fact uh, have a 
pretty significant impact on your ability to uh, successfully fight this infection. Um, we are doing a, a more detailed record review um, just as part of our surveillance projects. Um, so we should be able to get more of that information out. Um, and we do pay attention to the many research studies that are also out there documenting uh, which underlying health conditions seem to really uh, cause uh, the most, you know, really be cause of alarm because they, people with those underlying health conditions tend to be at higher risk for serious disease. I do love your question about um, uh, what, should it, what, what should we be doing and what kind of advice should we be giving uh, younger people who have underlying health conditions. I'm sure you've noticed that uh, almost every day for the last two weeks, included in the number of people who have died that I've been reporting on, are people who are between the ages of 18 and 40. Um, and these are, in fact, uh, almost always uh, people, not, not every single case, but almost always young people who do have underlying health conditions. And I also want to note that there's been uh, a lot of um, discussion in the literature around underlying uh, uh, around uh, young people with no underlying health conditions who have, in fact, shown up with blood clots and maybe even strokes. Um, so I want to remind everyone, this disease causes a lot of damage. It's particularly uh, uh, harmful uh, for those people who do have underlying health conditions at whatever age, but it also still causes severe illness and death among people with no underlying health conditions. And because it's so easily transmitted uh, when people are in close contact with each other. I urge everybody who has a loved one or knows a friend or a family who has underlying health conditions to make sure we're doing everything we can to help people with underlying health conditions stay safe at home, not have to go out for shopping, not have to go out to get the essentials that they need to stay safe at home. And then I urge uh, every person, if you are that person with an underlying health condition, such as asthma, such as um, any kind of uh, pulmonary diseases, um, you need to be mindful that even if you're feeling well and your disease is under control, you are at high risk uh, should you be infected for having serious disease. And uh, we're going to ask you to take special care, uh, stay home, Stay away from as many people as you can. Even in your household, you should be isolating wherever possible from others by keeping your distance um, because uh, we don't want you uh, to end up uh, with serious illness. And uh, we'd like to do everything we can to support you so that you stay healthy. I'll take the next question. That question comes from the line of Alex Wigglesworth with L.A. Times. Please go ahead. Go ahead. Possibly you have your phone on mute. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> you already talked about this a little bit, but I was wondering if you were able to say um, how many nursing homes you requested the state um, to assist with um, and where they're located. And was it primarily assistance for staffing needs um, um, or was it help with uh, testing or contact tracing as well? 
Yeah, thank you. That's a great question. Um, it, we, we requested um, assistance, and the National Guard were deployed at four different um, skilled nursing facilities. Um, I don't know their names or their locations, but it was, in all four cases, it was around staffing. Um, as we've identified uh, staff that are sick and or staff that are positive uh, with COVID-19, uh, they need to stay out of the workplace for an extended period of time. And in, in places where there are outbreaks, that can often be, mean that there are dozens of employees that appropriately are not coming into work. So, um, so we do have staffing issues uh, in all of the um, nursing homes where we've had um, significant outbreaks. But thanks for your question. We'll take the next question. That comes from the line of Jackie Fortier, KPCC. Please go ahead. Yeah, Dr. Ferrer, if you could please uh, expound a little bit on, on what this asymptomatic testing will look like in, in nursing homes. I mean, how that's actually going to be uh, facilitated. Sure. Thanks a lot. Um, and and I, I, I appreciate the question. And I also appreciate the fact that we've really changed our guidance. Um, we used to just recommend... Uh, even in places where we were noticing that there were outbreak situations, that it was symptomatic people uh, that needed to be tested, and it was people with symptoms that we needed to make sure they weren't coming into the facilities. With all of the recent um, both literature and even our experience here in L.A. County as we've expanded our capacity to test, it's become really clear that asymptomatic people are, in fact, um, uh, both uh, infected with the virus and are capable of shedding the virus, and that means they're capable of infecting others. So in places where we have a lot of vulnerable people who reside, and that's our nursing homes, all of our long-term care facilities, uh, it's really important to acknowledge sort of this new reality. Uh, and that means that we have to do testing at those sites of all of the people who are residing in those facilities and all of the people who are working in those facilities. And to date, what that's shown us is that there's a fair number of asymptomatic people at the facilities, both among residents and among the employees who are testing positive for COVID-19. So where we have people that are now asymptomatic and positive for COVID-19, they still need to be isolated and all of the close contacts need to be quarantined. And that's why, in fact, you've seen our numbers jump uh, in terms of the number of positive cases at the facilities because we are doing a lot more testing. And, and we will continue over the next couple of weeks to make sure that we're testing at every single site and we're testing everybody who's there, all of the employees and all of the residents. We'll take the next question. That comes from the line of Joel Grover, NBC. Please go ahead. Yes, doctor. Could you just briefly address restaurants in L.A. County? I believe you said on Tuesday the county would soon start disclosing the names of restaurants that have had coronavirus outbreaks. When will you start disclosing those establishments? And do you believe there's any risk to the public eating takeout food possibly prepared by someone infected with the virus? No, it, uh, both really good questions. Let me let me start with the posting of information about the restaurants. So, um, yes, we're trying to work on a 
on a well-informed way for us to actually post outbreaks. And so an outbreak is five or more employees uh, at a restaurant that have tested positive uh, for COVID-19. I want to note a couple of of caveats here. One is just because there are employees that test positive uh, in a workplace, as I've said before, doesn't mean that they, in fact, uh, acquired the infection at the workplace. So one reason why we're going with the threshold of five or more, which is our outbreak, uh, it's our outbreak definition in workplaces, is because we want to acknowledge that there oftentimes, particularly now where, the, where this infection is so widespread across all places in the county, uh, it's not always clear that, in fact, the outbreak site, the place where the transmission happened, was at the restaurant. Um, there is not a lot of information that's known uh, about uh, the impact of um, being infected and preparing food. But you will note in our guidance from the very beginning, if you're known to be positive for COVID-19, uh, we are very clear that you should not be preparing or serving food. And, uh, and, and we want to continue with that message, which is why it's so important now that we know that there are asymptomatic people who could be positive to make sure that, again, in places where there are essential workers, uh, where we're going to be able to, those employers are going to be able to help those employees uh, get testing in a situation where you know you have positive cases uh, already in in um, in your restaurant. Uh, in terms of, you know, how safe do I think uh, takeout is, I've said from the very beginning, I think it's very safe. Uh, I think the reason I say that is there's all... Uh, you know, there's still all of our guidelines around, they're not really guidelines, they're directives around safety and food preparation, and those are still in effect. Just because it's takeout doesn't mean that there's been any uh, ability for any of the restaurants or food processing uh, plants or food preparing uh, sites to not implement fully all of the infection control processes that are in place. So I do think uh, it's safe. I think people can uh, continue to safely uh, pick up and uh, take out from your favorite restaurants. Um, We will be working again uh, with all of the restaurants around making sure that they continue to implement all of the infection control processes, which when they're done well, do protect all of us, uh, what we call they're like universal precautions, and they protect all of us from uh, the transmittal of other kinds of infections as well as COVID-19. But we'll take the next question. That comes from the line of Annabelle Munoz, ABC7. Please go ahead. Hi, um, thanks for taking my question. The first one is regarding the new health order that you mentioned, Dr. Ferrer. Um, Does that also apply to um, any sort of detention centers, jails, prisons? And then my second question is uh, regarding a statement made by the president about the possibility of injecting disinfectant as it relates to COVID-19. He since said that, that he was being sarcastic, but it has prompted disinfectant manufacturers to issue warnings against this. So have the county received any increase in questions about this? And what is your message to residents? Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much, uh, especially for bringing up um, sort of some misinformation that was circulating yesterday. Um, please uh, don't you, you, you don't inject, ingest or even put on your body 
any disinfectants um, that you're using for cleaning purposes. It's completely inappropriate, and it's extraordinarily dangerous. Um, that's not what those products are meant for, and there's absolutely no scientific evidence uh, that indicates that they would either be safe or that they can help uh, prevent you um, from becoming infected, or if you are infected, uh, they're not a therapeutic medicine to help you get better. So um, I'm so grateful uh, for all of the disinfectant companies for making sure that they also put out that message. You know, uh, people die uh, from ingesting some of these products. So, so I really hope everyone understands uh, if the president was being sarcastic, uh, it, it doesn't really matter. The most important thing right now is that people have good information that uh, they really shouldn't use those products for anything except for cleaning. And even now, you're going to read both on our websites and on other people's websites to be careful when you're cleaning that you don't inadvertently mix some products that really can't be safely mixed as you're doing your cleaning. Uh, some of these products are harsh, and they're extraordinarily dangerous. Um, so uh, thank you for bringing that up. And yes, we do want to make sure that the, the public understands that uh, that information uh, wasn't accurate and please don't act on it. Um, and your first question was, um, oh, yeah, does the health officer, no, the health officer order uh, really uh, applies only to what we call long-term care facilities. I do want to note that we work very closely uh, with uh, the jails, with the sheriff's office, uh, and with the Department of Health Services uh, to make sure that there are similar uh, controls in place uh, in those settings to make them as safe as possible. That's particularly around infection control, quarantine, and isolation. Uh, but the, the health officer order is for long-term care facilities. So thanks for that question. We'll take the next question. That comes from the line of Claudia Pesciuta, KNS News Radio. Please go ahead. Hi, thank you. Um, I have a few questions. Uh, Will the order uh, mandating testing be expanded to shelters? Um, also, uh, on the new confirmed cases, do you know how much of that is backlog and how much is actual new cases being reported today? Uh, will we be getting an update on the healthcare worker numbers? And uh, any thoughts to expanding the testing for asymptomatic people to in-home supportive services, workers, and other caregivers working with high-risk people in their homes. Thank you. Uh, thanks, uh, Claudia. I'm going to let Dr. Galley uh, answer the questions about the testing um, for, for other workers. Um, so um, the, the question about, uh, I'll start with, um, I think, the first question. Let me just make sure I, I have it down. Can I? <laughs> Sorry. Um, and the shelters. Yeah, so so we are starting. There's over 350 skilled nursing homes in in L.A. County, um, and uh, that's our main focus right now. And I'll say why it's our main focus. It's because, as you note, uh, uh, 40% of our deaths are from people who are dying who are residents in the skilled nursing facilities. So we've got to get out there, and we've got to get out there quickly um, and make sure we're doing everything we can to create uh, a safe situation for both employees 
uh, and for residents. Um, there are some sites, and I think Dr. Galley could talk to this as well, some of the larger shelters where we've already been doing some testing, but it's not covered under this order. So I just want to be clear, this order, again, is for long-term care facilities. Uh, and that's a, a major focus because of the fact that we have a lot of outbreaks. Uh, as you note, uh, you can see in our list of, of facilities where we're doing investigations. Um, an update uh, on the health care workers, um, that will come on Monday. Um, so, so we try to do that um, every Monday. And then uh, in terms of the new cases, uh, those are really primarily all new cases. You know, as I noted yesterday, every day we have a few sort of backlog lab reports that come in. But uh, we're, we're at uh, about 1,000 new cases uh, being reported as positive every day. And as I noted before, once we increased our capacity to test, that was a number that I thought we would be at. Um, and I would say that's the number we're at now. So uh, in general, most of the week we will be reporting, uh, I think, uh, 1,000 new cases. And, and that's not because of the backlog. But thanks a lot. And uh, I'll have Dr. Galley come up on the testing question. Hi, thanks for the question on testing. Uh, while the current health officer order doesn't extend to the populations that were specifically mentioned who are in correctional environments or who are homeless, this is absolutely going to be a core part of the strategy moving forward. So I, obviously the first uh, priority is making sure that all people who are symptomatic get tested. Uh, after that, we absolutely need to work through in a prioritized fashion the strategy for priority populations and then importantly the operational rollout of how asymptomatic populations would get systematically screened through a testing environment uh, so that they can know if they've been exposed or have uh, asymptomatic COVID-19 infection. Uh, and we're actively doing that. We're grateful. There was a motion that was posted on the agenda uh, a couple of days ago led by Supervisor Hahn and co-sponsored by Supervisor Kuhl to report back on a strategy for skilled nursing facility testing as well as testing among the homeless populations and we're grateful to the board for their leadership, as always, on those motions. Uh, in terms of the vulnerable populations, the first priority has to be the skilled nursing facilities. Uh, that's where the majority of the outbreaks have occurred, and sadly, that's where the majority of the deaths have occurred. And we need to make sure that there are adequate testing capacity that is in place at those institutional settings, uh, and that that includes both, obviously, for the outbreak as well as an asymptomatic screening uh, approach. When you turn to the correctional environments, it's also equally important. Uh, Department of Health Services uh, runs correctional health services in the L.A. County jails, and we are actively uh, making sure that we have uh, testing capacity in place so that individuals are either screened upon entry or that they're tested in a timely manner if they're in quarantine or isolation uh, based on guidance from the CDC as well as other public health departments. And then we're also actively working on that prioritization among the homeless population. The first priority in that regard will be outbreaks in uh, shelter settings or settings where there's a large number of individuals that are in a congregate living scenario. And so we need to make sure not only are the people who are symptomatic tested, but similar to the skilled nursing facilities, that there's a strategy and critically the operations in place to test all of the people who are in that setting, whether it's staff or residents. And then there's a variety of subpopulations um, after that first tier in terms of outreach to encampments, uh, outreach in other settings uh, besides those high-volume outbreak shelters, and we'll be reporting out on that in the near future. 
Uh, we'll take one more question. We'll take one more question. Okay, that will come from the line of Dave Lopez, Channel 2 News. Please go ahead. Hey, Dave. Yes, uh, good afternoon, all of you. Uh, doctor, three quick questions. Has the nursing homes become, for lack of a better phrase, ground zero in this fight? If the numbers stay the way they have regards to deaths and the number of new cases for the next three weeks, can we see some easing of the restrictions? And the final question is, how concerned are you this weekend? Uh, I mean, the sun is shining. It's hot. It's almost like a magnet telling people, come on, let's go out and have fun. Uh, thanks, Dave. Um, so uh, let's start with the it's hot and uh, I don't want to stay inside anymore because I, I think we're all there. Um, and it's, you know, this is this is what we live, why we live here in, in Southern California, because we have such beautiful weather. So please uh, feel free to go outside. Um, you can go to your yard. You can go on your sidewalk. You could take a walk um, around your block or around your neighborhood. Uh, enjoy the sunshine. Use sunscreen. It's extraordinarily hot today, so make sure you're wearing a hat and you're well hydrated. But we do want to let people know that it's fine to go outside right near your house or at your house. Uh, it's not fine to uh, go and drive to another county because you think uh, that county is, has relaxed uh, some of their restrictions and you're going to be able to do things there that you can't do here. We have asked you to please not do that. We don't need you to go out, get infected in another county, and then bring uh, your infected self back here to L.A. County. And those other counties really are opening, um, you know, and loosening their restrictions just for their residents and really couldn't afford to be overwhelmed by travelers coming in as well. So, so we're going to ask you to, to please uh, not do that. But uh, do get outside if you have a yard. I hope you can sit out there when early in the morning or later in the evening. Um, and, again, uh, I ask everybody, because it's hot, uh, take care of, of people who are older. Take care of people who are young, very small infants. Uh, make sure that they're not getting overheated. And the last thing I want to say about the good weather is please do not leave either pets or people inside cars at all. Uh, during the hot weather, not even for a couple of minutes. It's extraordinarily dangerous. And if you witness anybody or any animals being left in cars, please call 911 immediately. Uh, in terms of our numbers, um, you know, we, we will be using, obviously, uh, the number of new cases, uh, what we see happening around hospitalizations and what we see happening around deaths to help inform a decision about safely being able to go ahead and ease some restrictions and enter into recovery. We're now planning for recovery because we know we're getting closer. Um, but so you're right. If, if we um, don't see serious spikes and we actually start seeing decline which is what we're really looking for uh, in the number of cases, but most importantly in what's happening in our hospitals and what's happening in terms of people dying, we'll feel uh, a lot more secure that we can go ahead and slowly start uh, implementing our recovery plans. And we're as hopeful as all of you that that, that day is coming uh, relatively soon, but it's not today. 
You hear me. I reported a lot of deaths again today. As a reminder, COVID-19 is now the leading cause of death uh, here in L.A. County. So we ask that you still work with us, uh, that you stay safe, uh, and to do that, you stay at home as much as possible. Um, and then the first question was around uh, our nursing homes and, and is this ground zero? You know, I don't know where ground zero is, but I do know that we have a tremendous concern uh, with making sure that our nursing homes are safe. Most of the people who reside uh, in our nursing homes need to be there for the excellent care that they're receiving, and they're unable to live independently. Uh, and the workers uh, who work there every day are doing everything they can to give loving and skilled care to the residents. Uh, we just need to step up our game as the science has changed around the fact that we now know there's asymptomatic transmission. Um, so I want to I want to say uh, we all have to do a better job. We all being on our side of supporting uh, both residents and employees at our nursing homes so that those can be the safe places they need to be. And that's going to depend a lot on our ability to do a lot more testing, which um, I want to thank Dr. Galley for her leadership. I want to thank the city for partnering with us on this. You know, that will start as an aggressive ability to, to start testing. We already started testing today, but this will be rolled out uh, over the next week or two, and uh, we will get to every single uh, skilled nursing home facility, and we will do our very best to make sure that these are, are places of comfort and care uh, for those that need that service. And now we're going to move to uh, remarks in Spanish. There you go. That's the update from Los Angeles County and Dr. Barbara Ferrer. A couple things to go over because we didn't get a chance to do so. Um, we'll talk more about what the governor said today. But uh, when Catherine Barger, the chair of the County Board of Supervisors, took the podium today, she talked about the benchmarks that would be used to determine when we can ease restrictions for Los Angeles County. Um, the governor came up with six things like this uh, a week and a half ago, and these four uh, echo this the six that the governor came up with. The number one thing that Catherine Barger said would be a benchmark for easing restrictions in L.A. County was the capacity of our hospitals. Uh, the fact that we have the beds that we or we should have the beds that we would need, the intensive care unit beds that we would need. And of course, of the you know, three weeks ago, the big word was ventilators and that we would have the ventilators that we would need. Uh, the second thing in terms of a benchmark for easing restrictions in L.A. County is the protection of those most at risk. We'll talk more about that in a second because they mentioned an order that came down from the county today. It's going to mandate testing for people with or without symptoms at all nursing homes in L.A. County. And it would exempt or it would exclude all non-essential workers. So no one would be allowed into one of those health care, long term health care facilities. Think of a nursing home. Unless they work there, no I guests, that that no was anything. Already, the case. I did too. I did too. Uh, so that was interesting that they said that. So that's the second thing: is protecting those most at risk. The third thing, of course, increased testing. Everybody would love to see that. Dr. Ferrer mentioned that you can get a test if you're showing symptoms. You can go on to the county website, sign up for, and receive uh, an appointment for a test. And some of the places that they have opened, including these drive-through places do have open appointments, so if you're experiencing any sort of symptoms that would lead you to believe you might have this thing, to go on to the L.A. County Public Health website. And then the fourth thing is the maintenance when it comes to physical distancing, maintaining those physical distancing practices that we've all gotten to. The, those four things, um, 
in my mind, those four things are easily attainable if they're if we're not already there. I mean, if you look at the capacity in our hospitals to handle what we've gotten so far, I, I know it's it's anecdotal, but I've I've no nurses who are waiting for shifts. I know nurses who are not overwhelmed by the current situation that we find ourselves That's in. That's one of the reasons why the governor reduced that uh, threshold there for surgeries and scheduled surgeries that need to happen, uh, not just emergency surgeries, but things that could develop into emergencies because hospitals are losing so much money. So you, you could argue that we're on the verge of making that number one thing, the capacity in hospitals. That's a reality. We have the ability to handle upticks in, in cases. All right, let's take a quick break and then come back with that huge stat. Oh, Crozier's leaving? Oh, oh, he's got work to do? He's got I somewhere to be? I shut down, man. We got people that need to get in here. Oh, he's already wiping down with the Clorox oh. and the disinfectants. Do, Michael, do not eat that. But, well, what do you mean by eat? Don't because it's inject, already in my mouth. Don't inject that or ingest it either. So there was this... <laughs> <laughs> there was this... I don't know why that was asked, by the way. Because they still be want... Because they, they... It's... It's like the more they you want, bring it up, the more people are going to hear it and yes. get confused by it and all that. Uh, the big stat that I loved was the percentage of people. I mean, I don't love it. No, no. But but it, but it's a good sign. We need to keep the – again, the whole thing needs to be kept in perspective. This is a massive – it's a global pandemic for a reason. This thing is far more contagious than we all assumed, it seems. And it's far less deadly – than we all assumed, because we simply did not know how many people had been exposed to this and developed the antibodies to it. But she she said today, Dr. Ferrer says, of the 848 deaths in Los Angeles County, of the 848 deaths, 91 percent, that's 772, 91 percent of the deaths came in people who had underlying health conditions. So that means just 76 people, and it's terrifying and and heartbreaking for those 76 people but just 76 have died from this thing that did not have underlying health issues and i don't think that in her calculations anyone over the age of 65 is considered to be or it's considered to have an underlying health condition that age is not considered an underlying health condition so okay. you could be 82 87 94 and be otherwise relatively healthy without an underlying health condition like a history of cancer, heart disease, obesity, or anything like that, diabetes, that, that you would not be counted in that. So that, to me, being over the age of 65, based on what we know so far, is an underlying health condition or should be considered that. Especially in this case, yeah. Right, and should be one of those things that if you're over the age of 65, you should be one of those at-risk populations that needs to be protected, that needs to have... I don't want to put a fence up around people, but you have you and I have a responsibility to be able to identify the people in our lives who do have those underlying health conditions. And we have a responsibility to make sure that we do not subject them to any sort of possibility of infection. Right. Which means that may mean that we do the grocery shopping for them. We deliver meals for them, that we check in on them. Those types of things need to be done. And that in that second benchmark for easing the restrictions, according to the county, that's an easy thing to do. That, those are easy things to put into place. Um, increased testing was the third benchmark that they're talking about for easing restrictions. And we're getting there. It's not perfect, but we've already done, according to the county health department, 180,000 tests in L.A. County. And, and that's a, that's a significant number. It's not big enough. 
but it is a significant number. And then the fourth thing, the benchmark for easing the restrictions for the county, the maintenance of this physical distancing. We said this before. People are not going to immediately stop what it is that they're doing. Listen, you have a mask in your car. I have like three masks in my car and a couple of gloves. And I understand the importance of wearing that mask in public. I don't like it, but I understand the reason for it. And if I go to Home Depot or I go to Lowe's or I go to the grocery store, I'm going to put it on. Not because I feel like I'm protecting me. I just I want you to rest easy that I get it. Like I understand why everybody's freaking out. I'm going to wear the mask. You don't have to, you know, not let me in the store because of that. I'm wondering how people are going to react to all the footage we're going to see over the weekend out of Georgia, where barbershops, salons, spas are reopening and all those shutdown orders are being lessened. And that is going to be broadcast on cable news and people are going to see that and they're going to freak the F out and they're going to want to go and drive to Ventura and they're going to want to go play golf in Riverside or San Bernardino. I forget where the golf courses are reopening or some of them. Some of them. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the, Fox News did an interview earlier today with a dance instructor in Atlanta. And it was one of those Arthur Murray School of Dance yes. kind of things where there's, you know, 15, 20 people in the background and they're all learning the cha-cha. And he was standing there with a he had a mask in one hand and a giant tub of Lysol wipes in the other hand explaining how it was that they were going to be able to do a dance class of all things while still maintaining their social distance, which is what they're, I mean, that's the big deal, right? We've got to, you, you can reopen your business as long as you maintain social distancing. Everybody in that room was six feet, at least six feet apart from whoever else was in that room. How do you learn the cha-cha six feet apart? Well, that you can. My dance space, your dance space. Right. Pretend I'm, pretend my hand is on your lower back. And you are? It's it's a dirty dancing reference that only women understand. And I'm sorry for using it. <laughs> the only you. reference I know is that nobody puts baby in a corner. Yeah. That's it's time for thing. you to see dirty dancing again. No. God. What do you mean no? Hey, should we pick no. a movie for this weekend? I thought we were going to do that on Sunday. We were going to pick it on Sunday? Yeah. but we We're going to announce it on Sunday. But we're not here on Sunday. I know, but we can uh, do it on social media. That's why everybody should be following us. At Gary and Shannon on Twitter, at Gary and Shannon on Instagram, on uh, Facebook as well. Uh, okay, I wanted to mention a couple of other things about what the governor said earlier today in terms of what's going on statewide for the uh, coronavirus response. There will be a new toll-free friendship line, a friendship phone line, where if you are one of those people who find yourself alone, and looking for somebody, listen, call just as, Gary as simple as as simple as I need somebody to talk to six two six easy. Do we have that number, by the way, that the governor announced? Uh, I didn't write it down. I know it's a triple eight number. That's a, so that should narrow it down. Oh, I'll, I, I'll get it. I know. It um, so the friendship line was established and there will be people answering the phones just to talk. Triple eight six seven zero. 1360, 888-670-1360. Or you can call Petros on the Textoso line. Oh, that's good. If you've got that number. Um, I've heard he's accepting calls. A, a positive thing that came out of Governor Newsom's news conference today was that the hospitalization numbers across California have been stabilizing. And that while the intensive care unit admissions 
had bumped up by 1%. That's a small enough percentage that the governor appeared to be, and again, this is me reading into his body language and to the language that he was using, appeared to be pretty confident confident that we've reached some sort of a plateau in California. The unfortunate thing is going into the weekend, we see these numbers fluctuate wildly because for some reason there's a there's a lack of testing over the weekend or there's a lack of reporting over the weekend so monday's numbers always come back weird yeah tuesday wednesday thursday numbers are going to be the ones that we look forward to uh fema here's another thing from governor newsom fema is going to be partnering with local governments and restaurants to provide meals for seniors an estimated 1.2 million seniors live alone throughout the state of california and FEMA is going to put together a program and working with these restaurants, which is great yeah. because that's a lifeline to these restaurants to try that's to keep well. them afloat mm-hmm. at something uh, in some way and then provide those meals for seniors. And then finally, United Airlines has come forward and some of their call centers that are located in California are going to be transitioned over instead of doing customer service for you know the four people in the world who are flying anywhere right now. United Airlines call centers are going to be uh, rolled over to do wellness checks on people and to call seniors or or people who are at risk health wise uh, to make sure that everybody's going to be okay. You know, I was thinking about seniors and about uh, that time in your life, and I think uh, it's been kind of unchanged for a lot of them who don't get out and around a lot anymore, which is too bad. It is too bad. I mean, it's too You're bad. Saying like when it's all over, let's still remember. When which part is it? Oh, you mean in general it's right. when it's all over, not when like checking when up they on pass people out, and all that. When they pass no, away. Good lord. Um today on Facebook Live at four o'clock, uh <laughs> Dean Sharp is gonna be doing uh gonna be doing a live event on Facebook Live. If you go to Dean Sharp, the House Whisperer on Facebook, you will find his uh his hour long event there. You can ask him questions about DIY information, about things that you're doing while you're stuck at home, of course. Uh, and then we, at 5 o'clock today, are going to be doing our virtual happy hour. At 5 o'clock, you can join us on Instagram, at Gary and Shannon, or on Instagram, at KFI AM 640. We're using both accounts this afternoon, and we'll be hanging out. If you have any questions for us, you can send it to us on social media. You can ask us during the event then uh, When are also. John and Ken going to do a happy hour? Every, they do it every way. I, every I, way? They do it every day. I'd, I'd watch that. I don't know if they're going to do that sort of thing. All right. John and Ken show coming up next. We'll see you Monday. Stay dry, everybody. Blessings. Oh. Gary and Shannon. He's giving it the big build up there, and he did not deliver at all. What a shame. Nobody wants to see that.